and welcome to episode 18 of the transit. I almost forgot the name. <laughs> the transit. I did last Theater. time. Remember? Uh, I was yeah, like, I, shit, I keep forgetting. What are we called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I made fun of you for it. Too. Yeah, you did, and then you go and fucking forget. <laughs> well, so this is the Transatlantic Theater podcast. Uh, I am your host, Oscar Reese Freeman, and I'm joined by your co-host. Um, Marcos Rodriguez. Uh, that's my name. Yeah, that wasn't me forgetting your name. That was me <laughs> right, giving you okay. a, cl- a cue. <laughs> yeah, that was my cue. That was my cue. Yeah. yeah. And uh, on the podcast, we have a guest again, because last week we had a guest. Um, but this guest, we've had before. Uh, but if you want to reintroduce yourself again. Yeah, I mean, back by, I assume, popular demand, um, David <laughs> Garcia is here. I'm a friend of Reese and Marcos's. Do you go by? Well, no, I'm gonna keep calling you Reese. Whatever. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. You before, what did we talk about? What did we talk about last time? It was us, right? I came on to talk about yeah us. for us. Yeah, Jordan Peele's us. Oh, that's and right. uh, how's it been going, guys? I mean, you're 18 episodes in. Uh, I assume the Empire is well underway. How? Like, oh yeah. How's it been? What's the journey? Well, my mom like? stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because that last episode was a little interesting. But uh, <clears throat> Dave, I don't Which know. Which episode? If you've the seen, the uh, one with with about um. Uh, oh. Streets of Fire, or the one about Itu no, Mama Tambien. I, I meant, I meant Itu Mama Tambien. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I told my mom not to listen to that one, but I think she <laughs> might actually actually listen to that one to be honest. Oh yeah, it's, it's when it's the one you tell her not to listen to that she's more curious. Yeah. But, well, she's uh, like, I want to hear you and Marcos talk. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah. So, no, have you guys kind of pivoted away from horror movies only? Are well, no, we weren't doing horror scope? movies only. It was just kind of like. At the time, we were going into October, and then so that we—that's why oh, we watched yeah. uh, quite a few horror movies. Um, but I see. yeah, we haven't really watched yeah. that many. Um, yeah, we did uh, like three horror movies during that period. Yeah, um, like three or four I think or we tried to do some Christmassy films, um, but mostly over the Christmas period we. Did what do you like mean? A... What do you mean you tried to do some Christmas event? Did you do a Christmas film or, or no? Uh, we did, kind of, like but the, it was like a Christmas film. You did like an on the fence thing. You did like a you did like a Die Hard. Like oh, it could be one if you wanted it to be. No. Uh, well, we did what I would consider a really Christmas film, but then Marcos made a point that made me reevaluate my whole life, <laughs> which we watched. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah uh, right. And then Marcos was like, "Yeah, but this has about as much Christmas in it as Die Hard does." Yeah, like it really has nothing to do with Christmas. I was like, "Fuck, Die Hard's a Christmas film." <laughs> you know, I've like never, that swayed that like, argument I, for me. <laughs> do you guys watch that every year? Like, is that no. like a tradition? I watch It's a Wonderful interview? Life every year. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Um, yeah, that was my I first time watching Hard. It's a Wonderful Life. Actually, will it be a tradition? I, I just find it's such a long, it's such a long movie. Like, it's I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like in my head, I've never actually, I don't think I've actually, ever actually sat down and watched it from beginning to end because it's just so like. I remember we tried to do yeah. it once, and then it was like ten thirty on Christmas Eve. We're like, you know what? This is like, we're not going to stay up till midnight to finish this, so I I'll just yeah. go to bed. So I feel like it feels significantly longer than it actually is. Yeah, like, we just it's watched... only an hour forty-five. It's yeah, not that long. And the mm-hmm. movie we just watched was like an hour and a half. The freaking yeah. uh, oh, that's <laughs> two and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or two and a half hours. Okay, yeah, two yeah. and a half hours. I have to be. I, I well, first off, let me just say I am so happy. I could not be happier when I got Reese's text saying, "Do you want to come on to talk about inherent vice?" Because 
Oh God! I've this is maybe I think this is my sixth time. Well, first off, do you wow. want like we have segment? We have a segment first before we get into the movie. I mean, I I, we were just kind of doing a general chit chat catch up. Um, I think yeah. somehow normally for the past like three episodes now we've actually started talking about the film quite Pretty early, early on, which yeah. is abnormal for us. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I feel like if we were known people, like cele- like celebrities or, or comedians <laughs> or whoever, like journalists or something like that, we might actually have a lot's happened in the last fifteen episodes, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I came on on the third episode. No, you came on on the fourth. Was it the fourth? Oh man, it was still guys, really guys, early though. It was. Yeah. It's a star for content. Jesus. No, no, no. no. We just like <laughs> no, or... the opinion. It's fun. No, it, it was. No, it was. Uh, I really enjoyed the episode that you were on. I had a great time, uh, which I did. Message I did you too. About, it was... uh, afterward. Um, it was like a catch-up. That see, that yeah. one was very like because we hadn't talked in a long time oh, when yeah. we did yeah, that episode. Yeah. So that was a little more like. There was stuff to say. There was a lot of um, but yeah, Well, let's let's well. check in, everybody. You know, I'm reading. I read this thing in the Harvard Business Review, which I don't read that, but like <laughs> and, monthly subscriber and, uh, over here is fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my MBA. Um, no, but they were saying how burnout is like it's already been a rising issue in the last few years. Oh right? yeah, like, yeah. burnout. Yeah. But it like the pandemic for certain people has just like exacerbated it so much further than normal. Mm -hmm. And, um, and one of the things that they said, like, you know, it was written for like business managers or leaders, you know, bosses kind of thing. And it was like, (laughs) like, (laughs) which I definitely consider myself one. And um, it was about how like people need to make more space, like in meetings and stuff for like just general check-ins besides people's work. And so I've been trying to do that a lot more with like some with like students and and professors when I yeah. meet them. I'm like, how are you really doing? I don't say it like <laughs> that, but yeah, I try to do that. So uh, Reese, how are you doing? Uh, I mean, do you want the short answer or the long one? Just tell us how <laughs> depressed you are already. Goddamn it! Oh, it's pretty shit. It's pretty shit <laughs> over here. Oh, um, yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's just it's rough. Um, yeah. The Welsh government. We've been in lockdown since like full full lockdown, as in like. You're not allowed to leave the house since uh, since December 20th for anything other than groceries and mm. some light exercise. Um, That's like what I do anyway already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is yeah, the, it, it's just rough right now because at this point, like, Wales is doing fine number-wise. I think they're just trying to maybe catch up with vaccine stuff or, I don't know, like, save face in terms of, like, like because now it's kind of become almost like a pissing competition between the four governments of like how well is england doing versus wales versus scotland versus northern ireland in terms of their numbers and and keeping the population safe and all that and it turns it's feeling like it's turning into more than just you know doing what's best to to keep everybody safe especially since the numbers are so below uh, like the r number is so low at this point now well not like super low but it's like it's it's right. a, at a comfortable it's at the it's lower than it was when they opened everything up in the summer so it's like well <laughs> if, if yeah. everything was fine then why is it not why is it not fine now yeah uh, what's the what's the vaccine distribution like over there wales is doing really well uh, in terms of vaccine distribution um i think have you got huh you guys getting yours yet no no no, no. they the so i from my understanding of how the vaccines going out in america confuses me <laughs> because first off it's you know uh, private healthcare, so essentially I'm assuming people can just ask for it. <laughs> um, whereas here, since it's public healthcare, it's literally being dealt. Like, you'll get a call when they when your number's mm-hmm. up. That's... And it's going in order of people who are most vulnerable and most likely to need it. 
that's pretty much how it's getting done here, actually. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Like not too. Different. Yeah. It's well, say when it's like in Georgia, because even that's probably different from California. Okay. So uh, yeah, yeah, Florida's. no, it is. It is different. Um, but essentially, you can apply for it mm -hmm. if you work, uh, for example, in the med medical field. Um, yeah. depending on what type of medical field, or if you just work with people on a day-to-day -day uh basis, like very close with people or with a lot of people, with a group of people, then uh, you're more likely to get selected, and uh, yeah. they ask you why, essentially why you need it over, say, you know, the next person, and um, they kind of go off of that, like these levels of risk. Because my wife got <laughs> selected, right? She applied for it, she yeah. put in an application, she went there, and uh, they asked her what her occupation was, and why she would need it, and all that, and because she didn't work close enough with people, or with, a, with enough of people, they essentially turned her away and they were going to just give it to the next person who does or, you know, because they're giving yeah. it to the elderly first. They give it to all the healthcare workers who work in like hospitals like myself, for example. I already had yeah. mine. And, um, oh, good. Yeah, I got the Moderna uh, vaccine, which is nice. Yeah. Nice. I had, I had a little bit of a reaction. The side effects were I got a fever for the first time in like years. That's what my dad said. Yeah. He got, he got, a, he didn't get a fever, but he like, you know, it felt like, low-key flu for like a day yeah yeah, yeah. so that's that kind of how it is on the second shot because it's a two-shot series um they are mm. working on getting something out that's just a one-shot series i think that's by i don't think i saw by, that yeah yeah there, there was a one-shot that they were but... developing but the problem with it is i believe that one is i'm talking out of my ass and i could be completely wrong <laughs> um i believe the one-shot one is one that's proven to not be as effective against the south africa's uh strain Oh, um, right. And also, okay. like the temp, the like temperature it needs to be kept at is so low that it no, just essentially no, 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 like no. makes it compromise. It, it's so easy to compromise. Essentially, so, the, the the yeah. So ahead. the Sorry. one shot one isn't yeah. that it doesn't have uh doesn't have that temperature issue. That's the okay. That is actually the uh, Pfizer. The Pfizer mm -hmm. needs to be kept at like below freezing temperatures. Yeah, I think it's like negative um, thirty. I read negative thirty Celsius. Yeah, so it's it's something. It's very cold that it needs to be kept yeah. at, and then once it's defrosted for use, uh, it could only be kept like that for like twenty four hours, and then they basically okay. need to either use it or get rid of it. So the Pfizer is actually more unstable, whereas the Moderna mm -hmm. is a lot more stable in terms of Moderna okay. can be kept at regular freezer temperatures, and then. It can be used uh, after it's defrosted. It can be used for up to I think 48 hours or something like that. So it's much more yeah. stable, and uh, even though the side effect uh, does seem to be more pronounced on the second shot, which is like some swelling at yeah. the site as well as uh, you know some fever-like symptoms, mm -hmm. um, it so far I'm okay. So I'm I'm happy. It's 95% yeah. uh, you know proven. Uh, obviously that's only in regular healthy adults though this doesn't count for children or women or pregnant women or um, or the elderly because you got to be careful when testing with those groups um, yeah now mm -hmm. as have you guys heard about that uh, that's been coming out about the Pfizer is that some of their numbers might have been fluffed which is why they look more effective than the other uh, vaccines. I did not hear that no yeah it's kind of yeah, interesting I didn't see that. yeah so that's <laughs> man <laughs> all I've really heard is yeah. that Wales is doing pretty well in terms of vaccinating people. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's what we want to hear. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, essentially, to circle back to me, because clearly I'm the most important person here. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, just, uh, just yeah, everything's... I had a uh, vacation planned for March, 
that like I planned in October. I was like, by March time, everything will be fine. Um, and it wasn't even anything crazy. It was literally just I was going to cycle like uh, up and down Wales, like yeah, the from cycling where track, I am, the yeah. south to the north, and then back. Mm-hmm. And like you know, mm-hmm. I'd have like a tent and stuff, and you know, I'd stay at maybe a few like B and Bs if they were open. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I was like, oh, I'll probably need a tent because nothing's going to be open. Um, but I can't even do that because you know it's just it, like if I if I were you know pulled over and they're like. Hey, you don't look like you're cycling just for the joy of cycling. Where are you coming from? And I was like, oh, I'm from down south. They'd be like, great, here's ten thousand pound fine. Mm. Yeah, that sucks, dude. Yeah. Hey, Reese, so, do you think uh, cycling just from like Monrovia to Vegas would be a, a cool trip? Um, no, because <laughs> you know that part just before you hit Vegas where it's fucking uphill for like. 30 miles and even cars are like fuck this is hard that would and that's the end of the trip <laughs> is it really that uphill? Yeah. god i haven't been this it's really long. uphill yeah plus it'd be like it'd be so hot you know yeah, yeah although yeah. i would never do that ever anyway but you know yeah. like it's just like it's quite yeah, I, wouldn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't be like let's cycle through the place called death valley like that's just not yeah dude that's yeah. sick can you imagine it's <laughs> oh, crazy people who, they should make that who... like a good be like our uh tour de france but you have to go through like <laughs> you go from like texas to texas to la oh my just god like, <laughs> my god that oh. Would be awful. oh that'd be terrible that would be awful like from even if you go from yeah. el paso which is like one of the farthest uh cities uh mm-hmm. west in texas dude that, that was is it so... one of or is it just the farthest no it's, i think it's, it's one literally on the border it's not the farthest i'm pretty sure there's like one more it may be no, you know it might be the farthest. Actually, now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, consider my my it family. Right in the t- my family's yeah. from right there. Like my mom's side of the family's from right there. So on the other side, of New Mexico. Family. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, shout out to Texas. They're having a rough time right now. Dude. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't, I've I've heard it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, El Paso it. literally is borders the border of New Mexico. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on Juarez, yeah. the Juarez border. No, 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 I meant yeah. to New Mexico. Oh, yeah, it does that, I know, too. it's both. Yeah, yeah. so it is but the most it both? Western. It's like Warwick. I think yeah, it is. I think it's both. Yeah, it is. It's it's Juarez and... Um, yeah. Oh, shit. It's El Paso in the Texas side, yeah. Juarez on the Mexican side, and then Sunland Park <laughs> on the New Mexico side. I got to say, one of my favorite things is when... Uh, people from the uk talk about spanish words and stuff i just love how you pronounce the thing because it's like you have spain there so there is a yeah. reason why spanish words come into your vocab sometimes but mm-hmm. i don't know it's just interesting it's, it's like um it's what else rough. is that from <laughs> yeah never mind <laughs> no 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 it's, um, I, i've talked about it a few times and we talked about it also on uh the episode about itumama tambien yeah about like how she's a spanish like, a spanish yeah. uh spaniard speaking uh Spaniard speaking. <laughs> Spanish. Spaniard yeah. speaking Spanish from Spain. <laughs> but no, like I, I've, I've heard so many times over here, like Spanish from Spain, like accent. Yeah. And I just, I, right. I can't understand it. Right. With like, the Ibiza. Yeah. 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 And the uh, <laughs> like, uh, there's certain words that do get me, <laughs> such as Rioja yeah. instead of Rioja. See, like that, that is one. like I don't I don't even know what that is. I can't even like if you didn't spell that, I have no idea what you just said. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And either. then and then like ugh, it just they they say chorizo instead of chorizo. Oh. 
That's weird. Which, I'm like, where's the TH coming from? Where, like, what's going on? Like, yeah. Yeah, is that the Z for them? It's like, it's you guys invented exactly this language. Like, speak it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it makes, it makes Jesus no Christ. sense. You know what? I was just thinking about that, like, like um, you know how, like, I don't know, I don't know, well, you both are from LA. Um, yeah. You know, like, Los Feliz, like, it's not pronounced correctly. It's supposed to be yeah. Los Feliz, but it's, people say Los Feliz. And people will correct you about it, right? Like, they'll say, like, yeah. oh, well, actually, the and I'm like, I'm not saying that it's wrong. Like you pronounce it however you want, but I think it's weird to correct people. It's like that other colonizers language. Like we have to be all deferential because it's like <laughs> yeah. Spanish versus English. Like either way, it's not being pronounced correctly. Like yeah. fundamentally, it's I not mean, a native there's... language. Yeah, it's not a native language, so I kind of get where you're coming from. But like, I'm kind of more on board with that now. Like, I always thought it was odd that everything in LA like has Spanish names, and then we just like say it in the whitest. Like, we say it like that white girl in Spanish class who's not trying. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. Street, I mean, it, like, I think you can. I think I think that's fine. Like, I I wouldn't tell people it's pronounced Los Feliz, but I think mm -hmm. it's like kind of like. Um, like people from Missouri say Missouri. Like it's kind of yeah. like that, where it's just like it's how you say it if can you're from I, there. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell and you guys so, something that pisses okay. me off? Yeah. So go on. I'm no. in Georgia. There's a city. <laughs> yeah. There's a city over here. It's not far. Georgia. It's it's called Georgia. Martinez, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been corrected so many times on the pronunciation of that name. It's Martinez. Oh my god. <laughs> I just I'm like excuse me. You can't tell mm -hmm. me it's Martinez. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I just like, think, don't you I just know who I am? That... I'm Marcos Rodriguez. <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> Roger. Roger. Yeah, it's it's fucking so stupid. But you know, like like I guess that's saying, true. You don't want like you don't want like white people. You know, yeah. like my their own definitions of stuff. My argument for it, why I'm more in favor of it now, and why. I think that there's a little bit of a reason to correct is uh, like, and I get where you're coming from, David, because it's more like, it's not like we're trying to be like, let's remember the language of the people who were here. It's like, let's, right. let's shift from the English uh, empire to the Spanish empire. Um, right. where, but like from someone who's like over here and kind of very proud of Welsh heritage, like Welsh words being pronounced when people like say Welsh town names incorrectly, or say Welsh things incorrectly, like you right. want to be like, oh, here's how you actually say it, because this is this is the name of the place. And if you change the name, you end up with like th there were like there are maps of the UK from like the 40s and the 30s where like an English person wrote it and just didn't care and just wrote down whatever they wanted. <laughs> right. And like it's it's a it's a mess. So like I guess know... I would feel that way if it was like if we were words like maybe if like because a lot of places are yeah like Native American words like like Illinois yeah. mm -hmm. you know or something like that or Minnesota yeah. or different Dakota places, I think maybe not yeah but I feel like if it in Spanish it's like I would feel that way if it were in like what is that um Native language uh, Nahuatl oh, yeah I feel the one like, that if it were word like from there the coast, then I'd be like yeah. well yeah then pronounce it that way but I just feel like for Spanish and especially something that's like they came up with Los Feliz or Los Feliz because it was like a bunch of white surveyors just coming up with a name that sounded uh, Hispanic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it wasn't like um, you know all of these places were like founded by Native Americans thousands of years ago. It was like no, they showed up yeah. and they named it after 
um, Los Angeles, which is the Lady of the Angels, which is which is Catholic, which is not you know, which is a yeah. colonizer's. It's religion. like the fact that I think it's, so it's, it's like, just so sad that Mexico City isn't called what it originally was. Because I mean, like it was already a huge city already. Why did they, right. they just? And it's such a loss of history. To right. Just well, call that was it uh, Mexico City. Was that? Oh, um, oh, look at me failing my Mexican history. Is it <laughs> was was Mexico City Tenochtitlan or was it? I believe Atlan? so. Yeah, was, I'll double check. I think Atlan Atlan is like a mythical city. Like that's like Mount yeah. Olympus no, it's Tenoch. It's not uh, a real Tenoch city. Tenochtitlan. Lion from Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, man. No, Atz A T C L A N Atlan. That's funny though. Yeah, hold on, hold on. I'll bear it back. Right, keep talking, keep talking. Yeah, I'm looking to see Aztec period. Yeah, it was Tenochtitlan. Okay, yeah, because yeah. yeah. Aztlan is like a mythical city, yeah, yeah, um, probably where the gods live, or something. But yeah, like so, it's a it comes up all the time on this podcast, and I apologize to our only viewer Tony because I'm gonna slag off people from Cardiff again. Um, <laughs> but like places here, like like people call it Lanishin, and it's Lanishin, like it's it's they've just, like they just don't bother to Wait, pronounce it the way. How do they how do they say it? How do they say it? Lanishin. Or Lanishin. And how are you supposed to say it? Sanishin. So it is Sanishin. Like, there's a, like, they sometimes they'll say it because the Welsh accent, the, like, kind of enunciated the right way. But And then there's the famous one that pisses me off the most, which is uh, there's a st- big street in Cardiff called, uh, well, everyone here calls it Cruis Road, um, but it's Croice Road. Mm-hmm. And it just means, like, it's just the crossroad. Wait, like, it's just Car- where a lot of things What about are, Cardiff so. itself? Like, where did that, is that a. Uh, so it comes. To... It has a long journey. Do you want to sit through this nerdy conversation? Because I'll tell you. Oh my god! Is it actually like <laughs> so, a word in Welsh, or is it from something else? Yes. Um, okay, so it has a long journey. So in Welsh, it's technically now it said Caerdydd, which would mean like castle of the or the the day castle, castle of the day. <laughs> um, but really, what it would be is Cardiff would jour. be um, Caerdydd. Cardaf, mm-hmm. which would right, be uh, Castle by the Taff River, which is the river that runs mm-hmm. through the town. We're but then Cardaf, yeah, we're talking about Welsh cities. Now. <laughs> so Cardaf became Cardiff, and then mm-hmm. when they wanted to reintroduce like Welsh kind of culture to the name again, instead of going back to the other one, they just changed it to Cardiff for some reason. I don't know why, uh-huh. outside of uh, randomness, but um, yeah. So that's I like the, I like the name as a as a word. I think it's very good. It's very snappy. Yeah. It's very quick. It's it sounds both sophisticated and everyday. You know, Cardiff. Yeah, it's Cardiff. A great name yeah. for a town. Yeah. I've always hated um, um, what the weird one is Swansea, which is the second largest city. Um, mm-hmm. That one I always thought was it just has like I don't like the English name, and in Welsh it sounds way better, which is Abertawe. Huh. Mm. I think that sounds better for me. Better than Swansea. Yeah. Better than Swansea, yeah. <laughs> Although Swansea, it, Swansea. it's Swansea. Swansea sounds like, an, like a place in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an yeah. anglicism. Swansea, like, Georgia. Not, like it doesn't have the same story as other places where it's like English people couldn't say the word. It was. Um, well, that's uh, kind of my thing about Los Los Feliz too. Is it's yeah. not as if in English, it's not as if you took the word Feliz and pre- if you did pronounce that anglicized, it would be fellas. Yeah. Which is not like, <laughs> like it'd be lost yeah. fellas. Which is not like what it is. It's like it's like a. It, to me, it sounds more like an accent thing, like a yeah. like a um, just a regional pronunciation well, difference. And it again, is like it a sounds whole, like, like white people making it up. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like that person in Spanish class who's just not trying. 
yeah, I guess. Well, also because it's just a vowel difference. Whatever. Yeah. All right, we're let's get off this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Language. Um, you guys want to move on to politics? No. <laughs> no, I'm good. Well, I was just gonna say California. I'm actually technically I got well. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm kind of mad at Gavin Newsom just in general because I feel like there's been a lot of just. I wish he would just pick a course and stick with it. Like, yeah. He keeps doing this dancing around. Um, yeah. But now he's got these this recall thing, and and like the Republicans are really pushing for that because actually the recall. I don't know if you know, because we were kids at the time, but the recall was why Schwarzenegger got elected. Is because they had a recall right before him, and then yeah. when there's a recall, it's like open season; anyone can run. There's no primary, or whatever, and yeah. so he just managed to like kind of sweep in on like a wave of popularity at the time. Oh yeah. So they're kind of worried right now because there's a big recall, and there's they're likely to get enough votes for it to go to. Um, I forget how it works, but it lo- it lo- it's looking like it's going to be a real thing. Okay. But I would say that now, I don't know. Like it's okay. It, it does. It's definitely been worse. Mm-hmm. Um, vaccine. Like, and there's also like a website or whatever where you can sign up to get text alerts. And mm-hmm. two days ago, I got a text that was like, "You're now class. We have now upgraded um, uh, type one B workers. You're now eligible to get the vaccine starting on the twenty fourth. Hmm. Okay. That's cool. But that also, but. That includes like all restaurant workers, all like, I think that's actually like the big, like restaurant hospitality workers, which I'm like, you know, I, as much as I like appreciate that I'm qualified, like I can wait another couple weeks, you know what I mean? Like I work remotely, I don't go out, like I don't have a job that demands I be there in person or even like my friend, Mm. uh, Melissa, she's like a, she's working at these like community teaching hubs, she's a teacher and I would even rather she get it because at least then like she's going out with, and I know kids are less susceptible to it, but you know, she's like around like first graders all day. Yeah. And um, I would rather people like that get it before I do. Cause it's like, I'm not yeah. interacting with anybody other than my roommates every day. So I, I am yeah. pretty honestly the last person on the list that I care about of who gets it. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Like uh, I'm just, my yeah. dad's got it. I'm happy. My mom's supposed to be getting it soon. Um, and then my parents like, got it. Yeah. My parents oh, yeah. got it. They're all they're all good. Awesome. Um, and my brother, they were, I guess uh, veterinarians are classified as agricultural workers, so they were actually yeah. on the first rat or the like maybe like the I don't know I, I yeah. forget they were like the non like the first one was like over sixty five and then they were on the second batch. Oh wow! The so whole Gavin Newsom thing though, like I think he's he's done just like political suicide of the of the fact that he's just he's just tried to please everyone and basically yeah. made everybody angry at him. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing that yeah. I guess I get. I don't know what I you know. I'm never going to be a politician, and I don't really <laughs> have like that. I just don't have that impulse. You know what I mean? So yeah. I can't really fully understand it. But whenever there's a natural disaster, part of me just and it's the same thing with this stupid Ted Cruz thing. It's like <laughs> as a politician, oh, like natural disasters are the one thing you have absolutely no control over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have no say in it. It's just going to be a shitty thing that happens. And so to yeah. me, like, if I was in that position of being the governor, I would kind of just accept that, like, okay, this is the cards I've been dealt. I can't do anything about it. I guess I just have to pick the thing that sounds the best and just roll with it. Because if not, yeah. I'm going to look like – I'm going to look incompetent because I keep going back and forth on my takes and trying to – like you said, trying to please everybody. Yeah. And you just can't. I mean, it's it's not possible. And everyone – and the thing is, everyone is desperate. Everyone is upset. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody is content just fundamentally when there's a natural disaster. So the best thing you can do is just like batten down the hatches, pick a strategy that you know will minimize like risk to life and limb or whatever, and then just mm-hmm. stay the course. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like yeah. that's I don't really understand. But the whole Ted Cruz thing. California for a while though is that 
they've been very much so trying to please everybody, trying to be considerate yeah. of yeah. everything, and you really just can't sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the Ted, the Ted Cruz thing is dude. Is the Ted Cruz up. thing is hilarious. <laughs> it's not hilarious. It's it's. Come on, you didn't laugh. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's I didn't pretty hilarious. Laugh. I rolled my eyes and I was angry that this man still has a career. I was not surprised. Oh. I was just like, wow. Oh, really? I didn't say I was surprised. <laughs> You've been away too long. That was the last time. Pe- I last time Twitter was like so like universally happy was when Trump got COVID. Like I can't remember. <laughs> it was just such Freud just emanating off that app it was just incredible yeah um yeah because no republicans don't even like him he's just a he's just a noxious person yeah like it's it's he's not even like uh like respected in the party they all just tolerate him because he's popular yeah and so nobody was like on his side about that dude i have no idea how how he got reelected. because because they're scared of the alternative it's the same reason because they're scared of like um to be fair, Better O'Rourke has kind of proved that he is a little bit of a of an idiot, but yeah. But I mean, come on, fucking Ted Cruz. Well, yeah. I mean, t- yeah. And <laughs> I I think also like it's the same thing of that like, got all those Latinos on the border to vote for Trump. I think it's yeah. just sort of a thing of like we're not like against Biden necessarily, yeah. But or it's not actually. Excuse me. It's not that we're for Trump per se. But it is a thing of like whatever Biden and whatever bullshit we've been led to believe is going to happen in the Biden administration. Yeah, we are scared of that. It's the same yeah. reason Greg Abbott won governor again. You know, it's the yeah. same. It's like it's not so much that they're in favor of him. It's just that the other people have been made out to be these like scary caricatures. You know, and Texas is like yeah, it's even it's, even uh, like liberal Texans have that sort of like you don't get to fucking tell me what to do. Like I'm gonna yeah, vote yeah. for I'm gonna vote what I want. You know what I mean? And yeah, which is a little kinda, bit my attitude for a lot of things which is why I've, I've a little bit gravitated toward like if i moved back i'd be like well texas looks nice but it doesn't look right nice right now because it's all frozen it's, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah well i think i think it's just more like a it's also like kind of a well i don't know if there i shouldn't talk about it but it's like i fe- i see it almost as like especially because of the whole like failure of the power grid mostly due to re- deregulation oh, yeah. you know it's yeah. like <laughs> people are butting up against the wall of where deregulation and the lazy fair market and that kind of thing like what that'll yeah. get you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. And I know a lot of people are moving there because it's uh, they don't have income tax, so you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy too. Oh, it's just, like the they're price hiking up that electric bills. You, have you seen that? I know. It's ridiculous. I did. Yeah. Some people. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Thousands of dollars. It's the free market, man. Yeah. yeah. You know why not? That's fucking. <laughs> so the the problem is, is uh, as someone who lives in a country where things are a lot more to the left than America is. I can see all the problems of it, but at the same time, I, I'm like, oh, all the, there's a lot of problems that existed over there that are just not in my mind anymore now. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's picking your battles, to be honest. I think the battle of do you feel, having... Do you feel like you're going the other way where you're like, um, you know, the, we're too regulated. You know, like, we got too much... I, did, I do, regulated. actually. I think I've moved... When I move... Every time I'm here, because when I first moved here, I thought so. Then I moved back to the States, and I, you know, was like, oh, everything here is just too unregulated. And then I moved back here, and everything... I was like, everything's too, un- like, too regulated. Like, mm-hmm. I, I am, mm-hmm. like... I, I am very much, I think, as time has gone on, I still think... I, I still consider myself... Uh, like a socialist and very left wing, but in all reality, in terms of economics, I think I am a bit more in the middle than yeah, I, I really say. would like to think that I am. Um, yeah, but because there's there I are mean, definitely th- problems to it, but at the same time, like uh, for example, transport for Wales uh, is mm-hmm. a horrifically un 
organized company. And then the government just recently that, bought what it. What is that? Transport That's for Wales is the uh, like the, tra the train service that is in Wales. Um, oh, right. And it's like already was bad. And then the government announced they bought it. And I was like, well, I mean, it can't really get worse than it already was. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's one I of those, just... like, they were already operating, like, the same way that your fear of what what a government one, which which the government, the fear of the government one is, what's your other option? Yeah. This is your only option, so, it has to su so if it sucks, that's too bad. Yeah. But Transport for Wales was already essentially the only option, so, like, it was already shit, and it was already in that kind of mindset of, like, we can be 20 minutes late, where else are you going to go? What are oh you going to do? Oh, my God. That's, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. 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 <sighs> Yeah. So anyway, I don't know, cool. man. It's com it's complicated. It's all just pendulums. Everyone's swinging yeah, back and forth. So day, I'm happy with one thing. Go back there. That's yeah. not happy either. I think. But at the end of the day, like if I had to choose, um, mm -hmm. uh, especially with things that I have to deal with in my life in terms of uh, hospitals and stuff like that. Um, although I've been really lucky this year to not have any uh, episodes or problems where I've had to go to the hospital like I normally have to once a year. Mm -hmm. um, like the fear of not of like a medical bill it's just that that not existing in my head anymore is is pretty nice yeah so that's yeah what I'm thinking well that's that's kind of my thing is like yeah what'd you say also Sorry. that's why i'm thinking about going back to government work uh yeah. not only do i get like cool ass benefits like retirement and whatever but uh yeah. also my health care is pretty much just taken care of <laughs> yeah 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 that is what do they call those the um there's some kind of word for people that work in government it's like oh the, like well, the type of healthcare Civil is called. Servants? Um, it's called. Uh, oh shit, dude! I forget actually. Um, no, I meant. I meant like. Uh, it's like a. You're, you know, you're like the steady. You're like the state. You're like the stability. You're like the actual stability of government. You know what I mean? Because like presidents come and go, senators come and go, mayors come and go. Like, oh, all the establishment. Con yeah, but but no. there's like a phrase that I'm trying to think of where. Um, deep state, got <laughs> not, it. Yeah, yeah, the deep state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get on that deep state payroll. That's the that's where the real money is. No, no, it's just no. Like... I'm, I just mean like it's it's like you guys are like the like government workers are like the actual people that like make the government work. You know what I mean? I don't know how else to say. It. Never mind. Whatever. I'm blanking. Um, what were you gonna ask me? What were you gonna say? Oh, uh, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, you you know about Hunter S. Thompson? Yeah, I know. I, I know about him. Like, yeah. uh, Paul, before we can I can I, I derail the conversation just a moment before we start to try and segue into the film? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I realized that Dave asked how all of us were doing, and I was the only one who answered. And I feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, Marcus, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, just just working. I mean, I got my vaccine, so that's fantastic. Uh, this my job is starting to piss me off a little bit though. <clears throat> um, I already told Reese about this, but uh, so some, I think all jobs should give at least the rate of inflation raise every single year. You know, right? And uh, I have that. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. think it's every year, but I think it's like it might be every year. I, I think it should be it. every year. You know, at least the rate of inflation. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's like one point eight to three percent sure. max. Um, Absolutely, and so well, that's how that like isn't that that fight for fifteen thing that's happening right now? Well, it's that's been happening, but that's a little yeah. different. Um, but I think they should do at least the rate of inflation every job. Um, now, so what my job yeah. decided to do this year is they first of all they they told us that due to the pandemic they've suffered you know financially, which I highly mm -hmm. highly doubt. I work in the medical field. 
hospitals yeah. made so much money this year because of the pandemic. The billionaires mm-hmm. got richer because of the pandemic. Uh, you know, yeah. everything was bolstered. The healthcare industry completely bolstered because of the pandemic. So there's no way in hell that they lost money. If anything, they made money. And uh, right. now, in order to increase their profit margins, they decided to first of all tell us that it's been tough for them, and then secondly tell us that instead of giving us a three percent raise, that they are just going to take three percent off of our, uh, you know salary essentially and mm. give that to us in like a uh and kind of like a bonus it's not really a bonus though because they're not taxing it like a bonus but give us that just straight off the bat um and that that kind of pissed me off because you know i work a lot of overtime i work about ten thousand dollars in overtime every year wow. and so the three percent that they're giving me doesn't include that amount of money so they're really screwing us in that case. And then next year, when the rate of inflation continues, we're only going to get a 3%. So we'll essentially be behind on inflation, um, which is terrible. And right. it also means less money because the interest compounds over time, you know? And yeah. uh, it's just it's just been stupid. And also, I'm being overworked as hell half the time, too, with this job. It's ridiculous. I didn't realize yeah. how much actual work there was going to be in terms of a workload uh, at a hospital, right. um, especially doing right. the things that I do uh, at the hospital. What do you do? What do you What are you doing there? So I'm a biomedical equipment technician, um, which is essentially mm-hmm. I maintain, repair, and asset management all of the medical devices in the hospital, anywhere from anesthesia to ultrasounds. Um, you know. Uh, incubators for infants you know just a whole lot of different things uh it's really Mm -hmm. i'm I'm really like kind of one of those general you know uh workers the what how's the saying go jack of all trades Uh, i do have a specific thing that i am trained in though uh which is like sterilization uh sterile processing and stuff like that but mm-hmm. <laughs> it just it's just so much dude so much stuff and usually those workers who are those jack of all trade kind of workers uh get a lot of fucking work they get like really overworked yeah. because they're just told to go do anything and everything um and so that's just been that's just been stressing me out so i'm looking at moving completely over to radiology and doing x-ray stuff as well as getting into <laughs> it and is security because i want to do some penetration testing on the side um where it's just like you know you test out companies firewalls and give them a report yeah, on what their weaknesses are and because right now that's, a white hat yeah like that's yeah exactly white hat using the language the language a lot of people don't know that Ex- but, um, abs- absolutely <laughs> I'm, pl- I'm very plugged in <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah because there's white hat and black hat reese i don't know if i told you but um anyways yeah i want to do like white hat stuff uh and maybe dabble a little bit in the black hat just for fun, but nothing too crazy. <laughs> um, of course, of course. I've, been on, I've yeah. been on the dark web a couple of times. It's very interesting. Like, like the real mm-hmm. dark dude. That's you don't want to go there. It's fucking crazy. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's really it's. My really, uncle once that told I, me he was like, I use I, so I, I use I, Tor to to go on Facebook, and I was like, I don't think you understand the point of using Tor. <laughs> <laughs> well. I don't know. I mean, some people just do it because, like, the principle. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. just want zero possibility of being tracked. But 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, you know. just because over the years, I mean, we've seen how much our shit's been regulated and how yeah. many things have been changed in terms of privacy on the space. Have you guys space. heard about Australia? No. Uh, wait, wait. On the one the who's Facebook uh, thing? suing Facebook? The Facebook thing, thing yeah. Yeah. Facebook, I think Twitter, I think right? it's I think it's going to go across like to different uh, countries. I think it's going to spread. I hope so. I, hope I mean, so like, well, actually, I don't know. Is like I've been hearing, I like people on CNN, like on Twitter, mm-hmm. have been posting like there has to be more uh, considerate because like it got rid of like a lot of just news, like general mm-hmm. news information. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but like it, it also kind of reminds me. Do they still have this in a? Maybe it's in the UK. I'm thinking of maybe it's some other country, but where they do that thing of like there's no political ads and then you get like no you guys do that day of silence or whatever where there's like no political ads on election day oh but yeah. like there's other countries where they're like no we have a designated amount of airtime for the one party a designated amount for the other party you know whoever else is qualified whatever um, and then that's I'm it we don't sure. like you know it's very yeah, like I'm not sure about the uk which for that which could never happen in America because it would be like it'd be like a free speech thing everyone would get yeah. all worked up about like there was a, oh, a great fiasco whenever there was a great fiasco a couple years back uh, about this. So first off, like yeah, on BBC, it's a lot more regulated because it's a it's it's tax run, government funded uh, network. Right. So uh, the BBC will like they generally don't have they don't well they don't have ads on, as far as I'm aware. And yeah, they they tend to try and give like uh, during elections like the last snap election. They they did that. They did like it was an hour of an interview with Theresa May where she is, explained why she thought that people should vote for the conservatives and explained her manifesto and an hour with Jeremy Corbyn who explained his manifesto. Um, and it's crazy to me that that was like two years ago and still we and at this point we have two different people who were heads of their parties. <laughs> like th- those people are those people are long gone at this point. I know. That um, almost was like, oh yeah, remember those people? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so there is like that, that out, both of them get an hour. Yay. Um, and, uh, but, but a couple years ago, I think it was around 2015. I, it was when uh, there was an election happening or it was, might've been the EU referendum where, um, uh, leader of the opposition at Miliband was like, "Hey, we should be, uh, we should have like a debate about why we think this should happen." Um, and David Cameron was like, "No, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that." And then, uh, no, he said, "I'm not going to do it unless uh, other parties are there because I think it's not fair that you're just going to attack me." And he was like, and thinking that the BBC would just never let all like ten parties that exist fucking show up and have a debate <laughs> together and then they got all of the people to show up and That's david awesome. cameron just had to give in and just it was yeah. a fucking shit show to have like like it was le- leader of the snp leader of lib dem leader of fucking uh fucking ukip which was uh, nigel farage at the time i think and the fact that that man still exists is unfortunate <laughs> <sighs> well you know, maybe we'll see on the news one day. He'll do something about it. <laughs> well, he That's keeps horrible. showing up on my goddamn phone because, uh, like, because of the of the business that I work in, because I work in like insurance and financial services stuff. Like, because I talk about it so much, all of my ads are about pensions and investments and and stock market stuff, which is really just frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I just constantly get this ad from him about like investment stuff. And it's him being like fucking just being this cheeky little shit who I just want to punch in the face. Did you hear about what he I did? I think that's the thing. He's on, just like, a the... very punchable person. Like he just, you just <laughs> yeah. like he's kind of like he's kind of like England's Ted Cruz. Like he's just like 
he just seems so fundamentally unlikable. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and yet no, he he isn't. He, okay, I can I can see how you would say that he's fundamentally unlikable, but from a like a British person's perspective, like if you take the average British man, I feel like he is likable to that person. Like he is that that kind of like yeah, kind of like cheeky like, kind of like like oh I'm just sticking it to the man like uh, but I'm also posh like kind of. <laughs> <laughs> weird thing that he has going for him that gets him people to right. still stick by him yeah like he did this horrendous thing um in his last day in the eu parliament or whatever it's called uh where he fucking showed up and he started waving the british flag uh as he was telling them goodbye and they were like it is against eu regulations to have any flag other than the eu flag in this chamber you need to leave now and every Jesus. and like all these fucking people who like all these really right-wing people in the uk who voted brexit and stuff like that and still stick to it after all this time we're like oh yeah fucking show them nigel it's like no i know it's like and the thing that sucks is like you know that if you like and i'm not saying they shouldn't have but like yeah when you go to say oh you can't have that in here then it's like you're basically doing exactly what he wants you to do so then he has like he has his campaign clips he has he gets on the news because that was the like there's there's people i spoke to about it who were like Oh uh, no, he he sh- he sure showed them, and I was like, no, it's incredibly Actually, disrespectful. And all of them were like, yeah, the, the same yeah. response of, um, when did it become wrong to have British pride? I'm like, it's not about that. That's not what like that's what he yeah. like you said. What he's trying to get, he's trying to get the click the the, the video video clip that is, uh, why is it so wrong to be proud that you're British? Um, yeah. But in reality, what it is is disrespecting what it is in the union and what it means to the fact that the European Union is trying to be impartial in everything um and like isn't trying to 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 invoke nationalism to that kind of extent because you know um yeah in the words of of uh former president of france Hollande, where he was like the whole reason this this whole establishment exists is so world war ii doesn't happen again yeah yeah that's true So yeah, that's which was the only time that Francois. (laughs) I enjoyed him. Sorry, yeah, Dave. Yeah, how are you doing? Wait, hold on. on. Uh, I'm doing okay. I. Oh yeah, Marco. Sorry, I don't know, Marco. Were you not? Oh yeah, do we interrupt? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. Yeah, so that's my life. All right, Dave. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, man. No, that's well, I'm sorry that's all happening, dude. I hope I hope you, uh, you know, get. No, it's cool. Like I said, right. I'm going. You know what that is, so... right? Re... Wait, what was that? I was gonna say, did Reese actually? You, you know what that means, generally speaking, right? Like, what a white white hats and black hats. You know what that means? No, I, I really don't, and I feel like it's gonna really push yeah. the length of this podcast if we try and explain. No, no, it's not. No, it's difficult. real quick. It's, it's real. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to explain? One white, or two. White, Why either of you like? They're hack. If you're a hacker, you can be a white hat, meaning you work for a company or some kind of institution. Oh, like okay. Testing yeah. software, like using your powers for good. And if you're a black hat, you're breaking into like stuff you shouldn't and make you know doing illegal stuff. And yeah, that's the di- yeah. So bank it's like accounts, like the old west, stealing like, people's bank banking yeah. information and selling it online in the dark. Okay, that's a black hat. Yeah. yeah. White hats essentially yeah. hack and then push updates to uh prevent yeah. black hats from doing the same thing they just did yeah yeah that's yeah. that's that's what it is in the internal cyber war yeah <laughs> dude it's it's first of all there's like a huge growing job market for that like it, it's crazy 
Um, so I would love to yeah, see that on the side. Absolutely. And I'm really getting into Linux, so I'm like, I have a couple of different programs here. I've been talking to the IS guys at my job because there's health information security that, that, you know, biomeds like myself have to kind of talk with from time to time because there's a lot of PHI, which is a health information uh, regarding patients. And, uh, you know, it has things like social securities and, and other things like that, yeah. medical records, which can, you know, people use to, to steal identities and whatever. So there's all that stuff yeah. on that side. That's what we in the UK call GDPR. GDPR? What it? Really? Yeah. Global Data Protection oh. Resolution? Okay, okay, that's what you call it. That's uh, what you mean. All right. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, it's honestly a really shit lot of regulation <laughs> that's it yeah so they have to they have to protect against that stuff so i've been talking to them and i think it'd be a really cool job to do like freelance stuff with for a little bit um and just you know kind of mm. make a little bit of money on the side it's something i can do for my house maybe if i need to i can go in and actually get hooked up to the network and and do some testing on their servers but uh i find it fascinating i've been getting into linux a lot lately because of it and then um and then, yeah, I just want to do that stuff. So that's what I want to do. That's where I see myself going. Uh, don't plan on working extremely hard until I die. Because I see these other guys. Like, Dave, I, I'm i the youngest guy in my shop by 30 years. Mm -hmm. Everybody else wow. in there is in their 50s and up. And they're all working just as hard as I am. And I cannot imagine working like that for fucking 30 more years. And not getting paid really yeah. that much more either for it yeah so yeah it, it sounds like bullshit to me and i'm gonna move on from that i'm gonna move on to a different different thing i want to do radiology work on an x-rays getting paid more to work less and also do some yeah. extra stuff on the side yeah that's always my biggest worry in any job i'm in is when i see people who are a lot older than me yeah. and i know that i'm making around the same money as them yeah and i'm like it's sad. oh yeah. that's not where i want to be <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of USF too. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it's different. It's admin work, you know, like in an office, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. like, it's, you see people where it's like, you've been here for like quarter century or something like that. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. I got this job at like 20 out of college, you know what I mean? Like, and you're yeah. doing this at like 25 yeah. and then it's not like, I get, I get, I get it. Everyone's different. Maybe that's yeah. works for them, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, but um, it's just kind of like, if I turn into that, like I'm, I don't know what I'll do. Like, it'll just be like a failure in my head, which I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're just young. Maybe that's like a, like a young person's way of thinking, but um, well, yeah. I feel like I need to constantly be moving forward towards something. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, I've reached. You got to have a purpose. Two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've reached biomed two, which the only thing after that is biomed three or literally manager or shop foreman. And, that's about right. it but in order to get those things you need to have a couple more years of experience i'm already at six years experience here uh with my current job and then i mean maybe around 10 and then you also have to have some other uh certificate like usually it's cbet certification or a college mm -hmm. degree depending mm -hmm. on what route you want to go and either of those things i mean i'm still going to end up doing the same exact thing i'm doing now it's just a little bit more pay but I don't want to keep doing this right. same freaking slog through all this crap and being understaffed and all that stuff. I'd rather yeah. go work on some yeah. x-rays, maybe try out doing some field service stuff, which sounds like fun because then I get to travel a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm considering that. But That's the yeah. that's the biggest thing that I found. Like what, what I wanted from the job that I have now 
Mm-hmm. And to an extent, I I, ha- I got, which it was nice, is because yeah. I was just working in coffee shops for the longest time, is yeah. I was like, I want a job where if I call in sick, it's not it's not making someone's day a lot harder. Yeah. Okay, that makes right. sense. Yeah. And that's the job yeah, I have now, cool. and it makes me really happy because I, it means that I don't feel that, like, that guilt mm-hmm. if, I, if I need to mm-hmm. take a day that's just, like, even not even just a sick day, but, like, it's just a personal day where I'm, like, you know, uh, or if, you know, working in a coffee shop, if, if I had to, t- we're, we're, we're essentially staffed to the, the minimum amount that people you need. Like, mm-hmm. it's always the minimum amount of people that you could need. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. even getting a vacation, you say vacation and the manager's like, oh, fuck, how am I supposed to schedule this? Like, because they've kept the, the people at such a minimum to yeah. make sure that profits are high enough that upper management think they're doing a great job. That's so terrible. Yeah. yeah. But, dude, so that's where you and I are very different. Uh, I like the guys I work with. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna call the fuck off. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've always I've always felt guilt. I've always been the kind of person who thinks that I'd rather me suffer than other people suffer. Yeah, like no, I'm I'm man. happy to do that for other people. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just that's I always feel the I same. Was gonna I'm, I'm sure I'd feel the same way. Yeah, if I if I was, yeah. because it's like even even not, not even for like the manager, just for like the person who has to pick up for your shift or whatever yeah. has to deal with that. Like you know, it's like they didn't ask for that either. Yeah, yeah but exactly. Yeah, it's rough. When I was talking to my boss um, about changing positions uh, to like doing radiology side, like he straight up told me, he's like, "We we really just need you down here to do this stuff." And you know, yeah. I don't feel bad at all if I leave that area. <laughs> that's when like, you just go, "Cool, pay me more." Yeah, right. Like I just, I don't care. <laughs> cool. Like that's not yeah. my fault. <laughs> yeah, know, it's not my fault that you need me. Yeah, I'm moving up in my career. To other things, you need to handle that. Yeah. It's not my, not my. I was opinion. one of the like weirdest conversations I ever had with uh, when I worked at. So my first job ever was Subway. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, your you guys boss. Dude, my boss was fucking weird. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, I ran into him like years later, and he was like, "Do I recognize you?" I was like, "Nope, nope, never met you before in my life. See it." <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> but uh, I remember so. It was, it was, I quit that job. And the reason I quit that job is because he wrote me up one time for, for putting more than six olives on someone's sandwich. Oh my God. Are you Um, kidding me? Yeah. And as I was reading through the, like the write up that he, that he did, it said like, this is an at will employment, which means that you or the employer can like terminate the employment with no reason. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I just signed it. And then he was about to go on a two week vacation. So (laughs) I was scheduled for, you know all these night shifts mm. um now the 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 manager of the place was this guy i forget what his name is um which makes me feel kind of bad because i really did like the guy he was a, he was a really good guy mm. and you could tell he was just he had like he was just one of those people he's like in his 30s he had a wife and a kid and he's finally found a job where he's like getting paid enough money to make life easy for them oh damn um, yeah, that's right and he's just like pleasing the the guy who owns this place just to just to make sure that his family's happy yeah exactly and it was okay. and so I really respected him. So the second that guy went on vacation, the owner went on vacation, um, I was like, I'll make his life difficult and I'll quit right now. Um, but I turned to the manager and I was like, listen, I, I'm done with this place. I'm going to quit. However, I'm scheduled for the next two weeks. So I want to fuck over the boss, but I don't want to fuck over you. Do you want me to stay or do you want me to go now? And he said, I really need you to stay. But if I had the option to leave this place, I would get out hmm. wow yeah oh my god so you just you... kissed him on the mouth <laughs> <laughs> and that we, yeah then we made out in the fridge it was great yeah, um, perfect. 
Well, that's 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 a that's a real uh, that's a real good person. Dude, I used yeah, to walk was... into there with my fucking EBT card, getting some fucking yeah, I know, <laughs> <laughs> getting some fucking BLTs made by Reese Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> he got mad at me once because like somebody's EBT card ran out or like it wasn't didn't work. Yeah, and like it was some random new person he put on the till, mm. and like I I I went over and they were just like freaking out because they didn't know how to run EBT, uh-huh. and I just ran it really quick. And then I just, the, the receipt started printing. I handed the, because like literally it was taking so long that a line of like at least 15 people had formed. Oh, wow. And I was just like, and I, I handed them their sandwich and I told, I was like, get out. And then later he yelled at me because uh, apparently her EBT card didn't actually work. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, so you lost. Wait, the the, I was the like, manager yelled at you? The, no, the, the owner? owner, the owner. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, so you yeah. lost $10. There were 15 people in that line. How many people do you think would have left the line if suddenly that became a situation that was going to take any longer than it did? I fixed the situation. I will happily give you $10 if that's the problem. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I was like, but I, I ended up saving you money in that situation. I don't understand. And he didn't he didn't agree with me. He was like, no, no, you, you cost me $10. I was like, no, I saved you however much five of those people in that line paid you. Well. Yeah, that's was that before or after you worked at that cell phone store? <laughs> that was, uh, that was before. That was yeah. before. I was eighteen okay. at that time. I was eighteen saying this is some fucking forty-five year old. <laughs> well, he was an asshole, yeah. a fucking weirdo. He was a creep. He was an asshole. Yeah. He was a creepy ass. Yeah, he was a super creep. He was super yeah. into this guy, Jared, who worked there. Yeah, and like he was really <laughs> creepy to him all the time. Like he constantly was like, just he was. It was just the creepiest, the creepiest thing. Yeah, because it, it it was that creepiness that comes from like. Uh, closeted homosexuality where he's like doesn't want to admit that he's really into this guy but it's just like you know <laughs> desires him completely oh man that was an interesting time man it was an interesting time yeah shit job actually it was an all right job <laughs> yeah. to be honest like once i found my groove because like i was just the night guy who did um like and i showed up and everyone hated doing dishes and the first like four hours of my shift was just doing dishes so it was and i kind of loved it i was just could sit out you know I remember like working for my dad, which is the closest Mm -hmm. I came to that. But it was like I remember also liking washing dishes because it was just like I don't have to create something to do. Like this is like I wash (laughs) them and I know the and it's a simple process and it's done. You know, yeah. It's kind of why I like data entry. Anytime I have to do like a bunch of data entry, I like it because it's just like I don't even have to think about it. I just cop, you know, I'm copy pasting info or I'm typing a fact onto a spreadsheet or something, and it's just like, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Versus like. A lot of jobs are just so much critical thinking where it's like, I understand that a lot of good jobs are like that, you know, yeah, like yeah. fulfilling jobs, but there's something nice about just being able to be like, okay, like this will take an hour and I'm going to not have anything else to do during it, you know? Yeah. There's, dude, yeah. there is so much critical thinking and so much regulation in my job. It's ridiculous. Like, I need to know so many things that I probably don't know. <laughs> like, because when you're working in the healthcare right. industry, there's a lot of things you can't do legally. And then there's a lot of things that you can do. And then there's the things in the middle that I do anyway. Um, and it's just like, dude, there's just so much. And and you're working on a different... Just cuts to this playing time. in a courtroom during your... During the <laughs> right that would be really funny. No, I mean... This I was recorded on uh, February 20th. I'm speaking to some friends. So, I mean, I know, I know for the most part what you're allowed to do. I mean, uh, during which times, because, of course, then during, like, uh, like emergency situations, you're allowed to do certain things or whatever. But uh, yeah. it's just there's so much paperwork involved, and you're always working on something different, which is 
cool because I mean, like like you guys were saying, like it's or like you were saying, Dave. Uh, you know, you don't have to make up things to do. There's always something to do, um, right. and that that is the nice thing about my job. But oh my god, is there so much shit that I need to like make sure I'm doing right? <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's crazy. So, all right. Well, we're about um, an hour in now. Shall we digress yeah. to the film? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think yeah. Dave still hasn't said how he's doing. Oh, Dave, yeah, I'm doing fine. Doing? I'm doing fine. I no no major, you know, changes. I I'm. Uh... Well, actually, you guys want to hear? You guys want to hear a pitch? Yeah. You guys want to go ahead? Pitch my... it. Okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to write more, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm realizing it's kind of funny. Like I I think I do want to like write a write like. I don't know how to uh, whatever. I want to write like a screenplay, and I'm thinking of a lot of yeah. ideas for this kind of thing. Do you need and yeah. oh, hold, hold on, guys, hold on one second. <laughs> I thought that was your wife, <laughs> okay. like going like, "Yes, David." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um. So, um. Well, I don't know. I, no, I shouldn't give you this. I'm reading. I'm reading. Sure, hold on, uh, so you want to wait for Marcos to come back? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. Um, uh, in I a second, maybe I'll, I'll have to move my bit. car. So. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, a, I'll I'll talk to David. It's fine. Okay, no problem. Yeah. But right now, um, so you're what, hold on. What were you guys talking about? What were you saying? Yeah, he was pitching his uh screenplay. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a it's just a premise. Elevator like, pitch. You've got sixty seconds. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in nineteen sixty three in New Mexico, right? Everyone knows mm -hmm. about Roswell in the forties, but there was another UFO sighting, um, in this town called Socorro by mm -hmm. this guy, Lonnie Zamora, who is a police uh, officer in this little town in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. He's pulling over a speeding teenager, and he looks up, and there's, like, this white orb sitting in the middle of the desert with these two people, like, or figures or creatures or whatever, like, walking around it. And he, um, it's kind of crazy, and it, like, it takes off. He sees it leave, and he's, like, sh shocked. He calls, like, other people he knows, and they see it, and there's like, you know, there's like burnt ground and stuff. It's like a UFO thing, right? Yeah. And the reason I want to do this is because, one, he's um, Latino, and I didn't realize that, like, that story. And then also, one of the directors of Project Blue Book was this guy, Hector Quantania. And I thought mm -hmm. it was interesting that that was like a job they gave, like, this Mexican general guy in the Army or the yeah. Air Force. And I also, like, the detail I like about it is that he was just like a single guy, just a very like quiet cop in New Mexico who then had to spend the rest of his life explaining to like the Air Force and the Army and like these like conspiracy people like what he saw and why he's not lying and like that kind of yeah. thing and to the point where he got like so frustrated with it that he started avoiding talking to anybody about it and he started he moved yeah. to like another city, he started working at a gas station, like he just wanted to escape it. And I think yeah. that that is a really interesting thing that it, like explore and show it would be you see this insane like to me that is like what is actually scary about seeing a ufo it's not so much yeah. that there are aliens you know what i mean like i feel like if that happened it would be a big event but i think we'd be able to process it okay i think what yeah. would be so much worse is if you're in the middle of the desert or any place like that like any place where you're alone at night or during even during the day you're just yeah. alone and you see something so inexplicable and you're the only one that sees it and you have to go through life saying I did not make that up. Like I'm, I like yeah. you have to justify to other people, and to the and you find out that the people that are interested are people who don't understand you at all. They don't like they're not interested in yeah. who you are as a person. They're not interested in like 
helping you in any way like process this they're not interested in helping the public understand it like they're just there for either their own personal obsession or interest or their own like or personal interest like in the army like trying to figure out what this is a true story it's a true story and so i'm thinking about like i think my plan for writing it though is i'm not gonna tell it in a like it'll be based on a true story so i'm thinking about expanding it a little bit i might rename it so it's not specifically about this guy but i just like that idea of being also because like in my head when i think of like ufo chasers i think mostly of like white people (laughs) and so i think that that's like i think that that would be such an interesting thing it's like this like mexican i even love his name like lonnie zamora it just seems so like yeah it's, it's a good like, name it's, it's like, yeah it's and, one of those like protagonist names like yeah, you were like ooh, that's a good one that and it's like time. and it's like 63 and he's a cop and just like i feel like there's a lot of dramatic potential there oh yeah and definitely. i'm reading Especially this the amount of I'm people reading... involved because exactly uh, yeah. i've actually heard about the story you're talking about dave um it's, it's yeah one of the only other ufo sightings that has an extreme amount of evidence regarding yeah. the yeah. situation yeah because they found like they found like uh, well one he's a super reliable like there's no reason for him to make it up or lie like, yeah like a yeah. super reliable witness. Nothing, yeah yeah and then two they found like um burnt uh ground like when the, there was yeah. like charred grass and stuff and and then also like the one of the president of new, the university of new mexico even came out and was like you know what i think this was a prank by our students and hmm. like i don't think and and it's like I just like I I don't really like to me honestly I don't really care what he saw like I don't I don't you know I'm not trying to prove that aliens are real or whatever I just think that that must be such a interesting position to be in where like I said nobody really understands you and you have to live with this yeah. inexplicable thing you know yeah um so that's yeah that's the that's I should work on it no, that does sound really it's interesting, good that, though. I do like it it's it good that cool. I share it out loud I also think that New, the New Mexico desert. Like I went on Google Maps and looked it up, like the place where it happened. It's mm. it's such a striking landscape. Like it's a very interesting place. And what's funny in Google Maps is like I actually found the place where they said it happened. It's off. It's kind of like off the highway. Oh yeah. And when you're going one direction on the highway, right on Google Maps, you put the guy down, and it's like sunny, <laughs> and it was kind of boring. But then if you go to like going south or whatever, like the opposite direction. Google Maps, like the day that they shot that, it was uh, cloudy, and I remember that because I went to New Mexico. And during the summer for vacation, when it was like in fifth grade or something, and it does storm like there's these desert storms that happen, and they are so like, I, I it's hard to explain it if you like if you're just in California because there's such texture yeah. to the ground, but like they just seem massive. Like it's when you go like people talk about Montana, like the skies are so big there. It's yeah. kind of like that where it's just like it's impossible to ignore the scale of the landscape and the sky in a place like that. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like visually it would be very interesting. Yeah. I think I even just getting... coming from LA to like here where like a cloudy day in the UK, you feel because everything's like just rolling Hills everywhere in Wales. Like right. you feel so confined the second there's clouds. Yeah. And even exactly. when there's not clouds, you just, you just feel like a little bit claustrophobic because there's there's so many natural obstacles in the way of going outward. Whereas like yeah. LA, if you if you, you know, climb on top of a tall building at the edge of Santa Monica, you could probably yeah. see, you know, Glendora. Also there just there just aren't really <laughs> storms in LA or... that often. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no, it's it's not. a desert and it's like it's not desert, it's like that high desert stuff where it's like it's mostly just like normal rain and we don't get a lot of whereas like nsf the thing i can compare it to is sometimes when the fog rolls in it truly just looks like a big white 
like puff that's about to absorb you and it like that's kind of what i and it's like yeah i just think that that's very striking it'd be interesting to do no it is and the uh out there are crazy man uh, yeah it's absolutely nuts. so i'm reading this book um like the art of dramatic writing because actually because uh, seth rogan was on twitter and he was like i'm gonna do a 30 minute q a and that had nothing to do and someone asked him like what what's a book that he recommends about yeah. screenwriting if there are any actually helpful and this is one <laughs> art of dramatic writing by lajos Iger. it's like written in the it's like a very i imagine if i went to film school like it, it would be like a textbook like it's a pretty old and like well-respected you know playwriting yeah. book and um i'm trying to get through that i think i'm finding it really helpful because um, my thing, my the thing that I have always had a hard time with, like even in school when I was doing like creative writing in college, like I can come up with a decent premise and I can tell like what is interesting, but I find that character development is sometimes the thing that I suffer with. And if you don't have yeah. that, then it's like the whole thing's just going to fall apart. That because makes sense. well, yeah. if I if I can extend myself as as someone to talk to about it, I wouldn't mind because I've always found my hardest thing that for me is coming up with concepts. However. As someone who watches a lot of movies and thinks, like, that wasn't great. If they did it this way, it would have been better. And I just think, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at coming up with premises, but I'm good with, find, like, hearing something and then going, this need could be tweaked this way, and it would just be five times better. Like, all you need right. is this one little tweak. Um, so what, like an editor? Th- like, uh, huh? So like an editor? Kind of like an editor, but <laughs> just somebody, it's more of just somebody to bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's yeah. a famous thing that Stanley Kubrick used to do. Like most of Stanley Kubrick's movies were based on books, and the uh, like. He said that he said that a, a, a good book is full of a it, it like has a, a good book has a great story in it. And his job was to find the great story in a good book. Because the problem with most books is that you have an author who's so afraid to remove anything because it's their idea. But as once you mm-hmm. remove the author, you can improve the things that are shit. And so that's like that's, why it's probably true. Stephen King hated The Shining so much. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, part of it. I mean, you could also make the the opposite argument of like, you know, you should be trying to hew closely to the author's intent, you know, and yeah. like you, should, you know, like you could. I think it, I think different artists maybe yeah. work different right. ways. Hey guys, hold on, I'll be right back. I ag- okay, but I agree that like generally, you yeah. know. Um, that is like some that's people's strengths, you know. It's like yeah. working on a concept that already exists. There's a um, uh, like a quote from one of his, like a, a just a a maid that worked in his house. She said once a week, a just a crate of books would arrive at Stanley Kubrick's house, and she would yeah. put it in his study. And he said that if a book didn't capture him in the first ten pages, it was shit. <laughs> And she said, like, most of the time, it would, like, for, for weeks, when he was, like, in 19, 19, late 1970s, when he was looking for a new project to do, she would just put a crate in his room, and she would just hear, like, 50 thuds against the wall every five minutes. Um, and that was cause literally, he just didn't even care. He would just throw it, because he thought that it was so, like, not worth his time. And he would just throw it, and she would hear that yeah. thud against the wall. And then one day, she heard thud 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 and then it was like 30 minutes of silence she was like that's odd and she just opened the door and it was him reading the shining right yeah i mean it's true though it's like you need you need like yeah a constant funnel of inspiration you know did you watch um dr sleep no and i you know i I gotta be (laughs) honest like I think the thing that is least compelling to me about Stephen King is like the whole the fact that it's like an extended universe. I kind of yeah. don't no. give a I'll shit be honest, about that. Like, 
I, I, I yeah. you know, I think people can respect him for that. I, I know people love that about him, but mm-hmm. to me, it's like they always work best as self-contained stories. So I don't really. So my roommate yeah. fucking loves Stephen King, and like, I've had conversations to him about the extended universe and how much it bothers me. But um, yeah, because yeah. it it doesn't like it brings up so many questions that like you, you like to me have. the. Like to me, I don't, I don't mind the fact that they all happen in the same fictional name. I think that that yeah. is cool. Like, I think if every story, if every story, he was just like, oh, we're going back to Derry, or we're going back to yeah. New Haven, or whatever. I think that that is interesting because I don't mm. think that chronologically it has to matter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I like that it's just like this is where I set my stories. You know, it's like um, mm-hmm. who else did that? Faulkner. It's like he made up that county in Mississippi, and yeah. it's like a fictional county, and so like everything that happens in his stories happens there. And, but also at the same time, he's not like worried about like, well, let me figure out how they actually intersect with real life counties. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, like, and then I got to make, make a whole fictional Mississippi. And then well, if something yeah. happens in this book, then I got to, it's like, oh, all right. It's just like, for, <laughs> I, I sometimes see this as a flaw in my ability to take in yeah. stories, but world building, I, I can find it really exhausting. Like, it's oh, just like, I, do I don't, I find it so exhausting. I mean, that's probably why I, I, I can't really read The Lord of the Rings. Is It's just like, I um, know this is impressive. I know that this yeah. is like what people like. I understand that. Or any kind of really high fantasy, to be honest. Yeah. Or, or even like hard science fiction. I'm so I, like, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I feel like, in my opinion, Lord of the Rings is the outlier and why I keep rereading it. Is because, for, for, most, for the most part, high fantasy, science fiction, I have the same gripes it like uh, most of the time it's them going and then they encountered a zennar and now a zennar is this crazy thing that i invented here's a bunch of history but i'm like i don't care i just tell me a story like um like over here is such a a huge like british classic writer is terry pratchett and everybody fucking loves terry pratchett right here but like i've tried reading the book so much but the book yeah discworld but the books are just like constantly telling you fun things that he that he invented and came up with and i'm like i don't care tell me a fucking story but like lord of the rings does a good job of just talking about it as if it exists and not mentioning things unless it's absolutely necessary and like that's That's why the appendices and the silverillion exists is because if you want to know the explanation it's there but if you don't Mm -hmm. and you just want to read the story you can just read the books well, I guess that's kind of like Star Wars right. too. Then, I mean, huh? like yeah, Star to Wars me, what? like the, yeah. like Star, yeah, like to me that that's exactly. I I feel like I can't even. I really shouldn't even shit talk Lord of the Rings because I I did <laughs> like I do know the story. I know all the shit. Like I I know it. But to me, yeah. like Star Wars and Harry Potter are the other two sort of universes that like I feel similarly about. Where it's like there is a lot of world building, but those storytellers manage to. I th- just provide the right amount of info. They balanced it in a really nice way. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And the in only fact, thing like, I never really I know cared about a... Harry Potter is just like how every year they learned the spell they'd need the most that year. <laughs> You're right. It's just like, oh, how convenient. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I actually think like, and, and I know she's a turf and fuck that, but yeah. like, <laughs> I think the most impressive thing about J.K. Rowling in hindsight, because I read, mm-hmm. I remember I came home from college and I read them again over summer a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And the thing I was most impressed about is the fact she wrote these over like a 12 year span. And yet they really like, 
they hold up and she manages to tie in like the info that you learned in like book two in a very mm. seamless way. Like, like not to, I know that you kind of made that joke, but like there was a, there was a way that she introduced information that made it so that you didn't feel like you were ever reading like a textbook of wizardy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was very natural. And uh, as yeah. you accumulated knowledge through reading the books, especially if you did it like in real time and they came out, yeah. like you never got the sense that you were being like, force fed a bunch of stuff you know what i mean and same with star wars like i think like the fact that the first star wars can just stand on its own with absolutely no backstory at all is like the perfect example of that you know where it's just like you know what you need to know you can make some assumptions here and there like based on your like previous experience with science fiction or whatever but the story itself is always like sort of paramount you know and it holds up i i always tell people um the like really famous really like uh, timeless stories are ones that are incredibly human and that's it like the yeah. the I, I, the one i always use because it's the one that most people have seen so it's pretty easy is i was like what's the plot of casablanca the plot of casablanca is a bar owner's ex-girlfriend walks in to the bar and right. that's it that that's the that's the plot like that is his ex-girlfriend shows up and makes his life kind of complicated because he still has feelings for her. That's the plot of Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Now, there's grander thing, things about like French freedom fighting, Nazi occupation of Morocco, or French of French right. territories so of French Morocco, like uh, World War II as a whole, like all this stuff. Like it's it's mm-hmm. got grand things that if you told somebody you were like, I want this movie to be about Nazis, I want this movie to be about war, I want this thing right, movie to right. be about like all these grand things, it's like that's a bit much. Like let's boil it down. Right. What's the thing that's gonna make people really resonate with the film? And that's a uh, guy who's like in the movie at the beginning they establish him as like guy who doesn't talk too much he's just clearly been hurt by someone else like he doesn't want to do much he's really like solemn and and lonely and then all of a sudden this girl walks in and you find out that's his ex and that's why mm-hmm. he's that way and right. like that's the movie that's the whole movie so are you saying you hate the movie yeah. no i i think it's a really <laughs> i think it's a really good movie I, my my gripes it is with a good movie casablanca um come with the movie that it's compared to the most which is citizen kane um, and my gripes with Casablanca are things that Citizen Kane did better a year before Casablanca came out and why people don't go, hey, that movie didn't like is literally doing the things that the oh, other yeah. movie said were inefficient. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're really doing a lot of boosting on Citizen Kane's part. I'm afraid that if you don't <laughs> like that's just going to disappear. You know, people don't watch that yeah. shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. I... <laughs> he has you know it. I don't like, know. You do... You don't need to. I'll be perfectly honest. Like, <laughs> How dare like, you? Unless you, I think you should. Like, if you want to. Yeah. But it's the same thing with the Godfather. Like, if you haven't seen the Godfather, like, all right. Like, it's not that big a deal. Like, there's yeah. lots of things no, lots of people uh, haven't seen. You know. I definitely, I definitely think there are so many. There, we're officially at a point where there's. It's movies have been coming out for too long, and at the rate that they have been, that you can't catch up. So you have to choose. Like I, yeah. there are so many movies that come out that I miss because I'm too busy catching up. But I've right. I've made that sacrifice because I kind of enjoy like 1960s French New Wave and like 1940s uh, Hollywood cinema. Like I enjoy those two eras a lot more than I like. I still really enjoy new cinema, and I still 
try and keep up with things that really, really matter to me in things that are coming out now. But those two eras are what I focus on. If I'm, if I'm like, what do I want to watch right now? I'll go through IMDb and try and find something from there that, that is highly rated and, right. and watch it. Right. Um, cause that, but that's just me. Also, I really like Orson Welles. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. I think that if you're going to call yourself like a, a student of film, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or in any sense, like casual or, or professional or whatever, yeah. I think you can definitely learn a lot. I just think that it's, I always feel weird, like, like, and this is maybe a perfect segue in this movie we're going to talk about. <laughs> I always feel like if something is, if you kind of force someone to watch something, yeah, even, even, even not like directly, even just like culturally, like if there's the expectation that something is like necessary viewing, you know, yeah, I feel like over time that actually dulls its importance. Like, I think that part yeah. of the freshness of Citizen Kane was just like, you know, they were taking such big risks and it's also it also has a lot to do with like the culture of the thing the fact that Orson Welles got like this blank check to do literally whatever he wanted and the thing that he wanted to do was like push so many boundaries in terms of like you know shot composition acting storytelling like it's based on real people it caused a bunch of scandals it got Hearst mad you know like all this stuff that has nothing really to do with the experience of watching the movie but that when taken all together you know is very informative and important you know what i mean yeah but if someone doesn't i I don't think um but if someone if the casual person is not going to benefit from that Mm -hmm. i don't know why they put in that effort you know what i mean i still think citizen kane is a movie where that's worth watching for for most people because i think um for in my opinion and maybe this is coming from someone who's a bit too into movies and is just kind of uh, doesn't have that same touch with with the average moviegoer that I would have years ago, um, but I think I think it's still a movie that holds up the same way that Casablanca really does hold up because Citizen Kane is just a movie about some guy's life. That's it. That's that's it's a very like, simple movie. Same concept. It's again. true. It's I would I would much rather tell people a say like story in order. Go on. I think it's I think it's better to say yeah definitely watch like I I don't think anyone needs to watch um oh what is it Birth of a Nation again no. <laughs> you know what I mean like I don't think we need to sit there acting as though this is like or even Gone with the Wind or something like yeah um or or, or a movie a, a perfect you know what I mean? example any, of any that number is of these things like yeah the Jazz Singer is my I, example for that like the Jazz Singer is the first movie ever right. that had sound it also has right. blackface at the end I don't think yeah. like it's also regardless of that a boring movie <laughs> like <laughs> well that's the thing too is like i that's kind of what i mean about like how you can learn the lessons from lots of things you know what i mean like yeah. like yes they did it first and yes it was like a big deal at the time but like if you want to learn how to do like a pan like a like a zoom in through a window like there's been lots of them and like yeah. it has nothing to do with how you would actually do that now and so mm-hmm. i think uh, again if you're not like sort of history minded not just sort of yeah. like general information based like i think that there is like a limit that people can set for themselves um yeah. before we get into this movie i'm so sorry i need to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, it, also marcus like are you set with your uh your car situation are you all uh oh yeah i already did that shit man yeah oh okay sorry i wasn't sure if you're still waiting for me. <laughs> no, no no i think it's just me and reese didn't didn't shut up for five minutes okay uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right i'll be right uh, back be right back and then yeah. we'll get we'll get into the movie I, I'm trying to remember exactly what I was going to say about um, older movies and stuff like... Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I think with Citizen Kane um, mm-hmm. and Orson Welles movies in general, because I really do like Orson Welles, I think it, uh, Orson Welles wanted every movie. He wanted to do something. He, he didn't like seeing people do the same thing all the time mm-hmm. on the screen. Like, he thought that was boring. Mm-hmm. He, if he was like, if I'm going to make a movie, I want it to be something interesting and different and and 
something else. I want something more from a film than what what people have done before. And so all of his films are, are like that, I think, in my opinion. I think Chimes of Midnight is like that. I think Afrofake is like that. I think uh, Touch of Evil is like that. You know, and, I yeah, don't know if I've ever seen an Orson Welles film. I don't think you probably have. Um, because all of his other ones are a little bit lesser known anyway. And if you haven't seen Citizen Kane, I'd be shocked if you were like, oh yeah, I love Touch of Evil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I don't typically watch movies from this from these eras. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, makes sense. So that's my problem as well. Like, I just, I don't, I, I have trouble catch, keeping up with movies coming out because I'm trying to keep up with movies that came out mm-hmm. 40, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit, Orson Welles. I'm looking at him now and I'm like, holy fuck, he's the guy who was drinking wine and had that shitty ass commercial. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had that famous commercial where he's fucking shit faced. Yeah, that's hilarious. That did, you see hilarious. His, uh, did you see his peep ad? His peeps ad? I don't know. No. Oh, it was a tweet. If I can find it, I'll send it to you. He did a print advertisement for peeps marshmallows in the 70s. <laughs> and. Uh, it's bonkers. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be 100% honest, Marcos. I rewatched it recently, so I'm not going to do it very soon. Rewatched but, what? Um, I, uh, I'll tell you in a second. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, I rewatched it recently just because I was thinking about it, uh, but I'll recommend it one of these days. It mm-hmm. would be another Double Bill one that we'd watch. Oh, okay. Because they in 2018, they released a documentary and a movie okay. on Netflix. And the documentary is called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Okay. And it's a documentary about Orson Welles as well as his oh, yeah. him trying to make the last movie he ever made, which was The Other Side of the Wind, that mm-hmm. literally didn't get released until 2018. Yeah, I saw that actually. Uh, yeah. in the, when I was just looking him up. Yeah, I saw that 2018, yeah. The Other Side of the Wind. Wow. Yeah, and it was literally, he died in 80-something. and 85. Uh, it, was, it was held up by, because the production company was um, owned by the Iranian government. Mm-hmm. which at the time when he was filming it was owned by the Shah, but then the Iranian revolution happened, which meant the Shah was deposed. And now the production company would like, because they were now owned by the new paramilitary government, wouldn't release the film because they said it was their property and they wouldn't give it to him. And he even lost like legal battles trying to get it back from them. Jesus. And then even when that was released, his like old lover wouldn't release the film and give it to Peter Bagdanovich to try and finish. Yeah. And like it was just it was nuts. And it took Holy fucking crap. thirty years oh. to do. Yeah, yeah, that's a long time. I would love to watch a yeah. movie that was in development hell for thirty years. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, Man, they, it's interesting. I think should've... sorry, go ahead. No, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a really interesting film, and I think you get a lot from it from watching the documentary, maybe even first, mm-hmm. just so you understand everything, that the history behind the film, yeah. and then understand when you watch it, even though I think it's still fundamentally an Orson Welles film, yeah. um, it is also a film that had no script and was just basically in his head, and then for 40 years, Peter Bagdanovich just had to sit there in an editing room and go, what do I think Orson wanted from this? Oh yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that's and tough. it's oh. it's edited in a way that I think still feels like him, which is really, really impressive, and I think really well done. And I still think it's, again, exactly what I'm saying from Orson Welles, of like, he wanted to challenge what cinema was at the time mm-hmm. um, of the 1970s, and even to an extent of today. Um, yeah. But it's, it's a really good film. I Even after the rewatch, I'm close to considering it like one probably my favorite Orson Welles film. Okay. But it's it's hard to say. Yeah, uh, I'd have to yeah, definitely be down to watch that. Um Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's unfortunate that as Othello involves blackface, but it's a really good version of Othello. <laughs> yeah, that is unfortunate, but you know, <clears throat> times change. Yeah, he was yeah. it was the 1950s, yeah, and he really loved Shakespeare. It's like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he also did Macbeth. Uh, that one's not really do blackface. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, it's uh, you know, it's 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 that um, it's that awkward kind of position with Othello where it's like, do you do blackface or do you just omit the fact that the character is supposed to be black? Well, I don't know. You could cast a black guy. Yeah, why would you? Admit <laughs> it's Orson Welles. He had a big <laughs> ego, man. He had a, he had the ego the size of himself, and that was pretty big. <laughs> so I guess so. Well, either way, okay. So um, I'm back, and uh, yeah. I I guess uh, you want to transition to the talking about the movie. Yes. <laughs> Yes. This week we did Inherent Vice. Yes. Yeah. And Marcos wanted yeah, to say just, things about uh, Hunter S. Thompson first. I just just let oh, yeah. Marcos get that. Uh, oh yeah, it gave me like know. it gave me like if uh, have you ever seen that movie Brick? Mm-hmm. No. You've never well, seen I that have. movie Brick, Dave? Okay. Well. No. It's kind of like this little dude. He's kind of like detective-ish. There's drugs involved. <laughs> um, and it kind of gave me that kind of gave me a little bit of those vibes but also very hunter s thompson just because this guy is crazy in this freaking uh movie like he's a weird dude i have no idea how the hell he's a pi um he just kind of <laughs> seems lucky enough that everything gets kind of thrown in his lap like he really doesn't are you talking it. about inherent vice or brick still I'm talking about inherent vice <laughs> okay yeah no he yeah. It's one of those where it kind of was the cliche of like a, a private detective of like he just happens to know enough of the right people yeah all the time and then all of the right people right. come to him yeah like he doesn't even yeah. really have to do yeah. he just gets fucking high and they're like hey someone gave me your name <laughs> i think it's yeah. almost like making fun of like how in my opinion it felt like it was making fun of like 1940s noir de- detective films where everyone just came yeah to pers- like he didn't do anything so like in this like, I, I think um, i i think almost like even the opening where she comes in and it's like oh his ex-girlfriend yeah comes back with a case yeah. like it's so like it's like hippie noir you know like, well yeah they make a... fun of it because there's the lighting on the eyes that they show twice in the film the end and then during that scene when he first meets the the wife of mm-hmm. that rich dude um she right. even makes mention of do you like the lighting and it's like specifically on her eyes just like yeah. his old films but um and another thing too is like you know the one girl how she somehow got tied up with all these guys you know and of course they had a romantic past that's like literally all the tropes yeah yeah, yeah. it was yeah. it was full of so, tropes where it got to a point where i was like this feels a little silly but at the same time like i do feel like it is making fun of yeah like, no the noir films because there was yeah i mean like there was times in the movie where it was specifically meant to be funny like like laugh out loud funny and i thought that was at first when i was watching it, I, I didn't know what to think of the movie like because you know it starts off relatively serious and yeah, then happens yeah. a couple of funny moments like when the girl shows him her heroin baby and he literally screams <laughs> like yeah. ah and then that's it that's all you fucking then it cuts out and then it goes back and like she doesn't even re- react to his yeah. scream like, also i yeah. i really like that scene because like i i was when i was watching it i was like i recognize this actress her yeah. teeth look really weird yeah right then, dude that's and what then I was she was like yeah. do you like my teeth and i was like oh it's a thing that's yeah I'm yeah yeah i thought her yeah. teeth looked weird too i was like i love this actress i've had a crush on her since i was like a child <laughs> oh, Gentlemen, what weird. else was she in donnie darko i recognize her name she was in a movie oh yeah um called oh uh, fuck she is in donnie darko yeah that's the girl she's also in yeah. bastard out of carolina where she was like 
a toddler, and that's a really. She's in movie. um. The last thing I could remember her from is the Neon Demon. Neon Demon. Oh, I never watched that. That's yeah. uh. It's that okay. A, yeah, I wanted to. Nicholas yeah. Winding Refn. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. But um, uh, she's also. Well, let me stupid, let me just. Uh, oh what? No, go ahead. Sorry. Sucker punch is what I was gonna say. Oh fuck yeah! yeah. man. I try. I try really <laughs> you remember, hard. To you remember Zach how like films. everyone is excited for that movie, and then like literally the Saturday after it premiered, I was like, "That was the worst movie." Oh, it was bad. Like it was the so bad. the the reaction that was just so. I wish I had your version of this Smash story, Dave. <laughs> Unfortunately, my version was everybody. Loved I, it. I, everyone loved it, yeah. and then I watched it, and I said, "What the fuck was enjoyable about that movie?" <laughs> yeah, so, it was not good. No, I. <clears throat> that's funny. Um. Well, I was going to say, so is this the first time you both watched it? This, this is the first time, time I've, I've watched, watched it, it, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so I've seen this movie six, I've, so I, well, thank you for watching it. Like, <laughs> <clears throat> because I, so. I I'll kind I of always have time it. for Paul Thomas Anderson, to be honest, so. I thought this was great. Your what? What'd you say? I said I'll, I'll always have time for Paul Thomas Anderson, like, especially yeah, considering. I, I, your... I know. What originally prompted this episode is after we did the episode with you on it before in like November time or whatever, um, you uh-huh. said, oh, I can't believe you did Phantom Thread. I think Inherent Vice is like a, a, a much better Paul Thomas Anderson film. It was. I, I do. Like I, I definitely do. And I think my my okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk for a little bit because i need to give yeah, some back no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I apologize that we I, waited this long to let you talk about so this i film. think that this is um my sixth time watching it i think mm-hmm. and it's one of those movies where i almost feel like it's unfair for me to expect other people to like it because it's so specifically like something i would love it's it's paul yeah. thomas anderson first off but he's shooting california in the 60s Mm-hmm. And he's dealing with this sort of counterculture versus the straight world dynamic. Like that to me mm-hmm. is the main, um, other than sort of the the noir references, which feel a little more like, you know, sort of uh, filmmakery references. The story itself is like, yeah. th- that is the tension in, in every character is like, do you want to be part of the straight world or do you want to be part of this dying hippie world? And I, And so I knew that going in because I knew about the book. Like I knew that that was what it was about. And I actually, I don't know if you guys looked at the trailer. The trailer is great. Like if, if well, like, actually, if I, I remember the trailer, the trailer coming out and people being it kind of so underwhelmed good. by I, it. Oh, I felt the complete opposite. I was like set for this to be like, oh my god, PTA about to slam, okay. about to just slam dunk this thing. So yeah. I go to see it on winter break because it came out at like Christmas. I got, I, I went back to San Francisco for like a couple days early. And I go to the movies and I made the mistake of going to a 10 p.m. showing, and. I also took edibles, and that was a mistake because the for, and I don't know. You, I'll let, I'll listen to your reactions in a bit, but okay. The first time anyone watches this movie, I don't know. Like, it's so fast and so many characters, yeah. and it's so like it's almost like Big Sleep in that the mystery is yeah. so complicated that if you're not like super paying attention and also like catching a lot of <clears throat> references and and um, allusions it's really, really hard to follow. And yeah, that, so, and then given uh, the part that there's the whole sections where, like, people are talking quietly or, um, you know, like, like talking in, like, riddles almost, it's just, like... Yeah. The first, So the first time I watched it, I fell asleep in it, like, halfway through, and I was, like, <laughs> kind of mad. I was, like, I thought this was going to be great, and it just felt very frustrating. And then, I don't... I think it must have been, like, two years later, I rented it on DVD, 
and I just I I was obsessed with it. I loved it so I think yeah. I even watched it also after the election which was like a time of like reevaluating <laughs> every thought you've ever had about like institutions <laughs> in America and yeah I just loved it I it, it felt like even more relevant and important and mm-hmm. it's just like I think it's beautiful looking like I think there are shots in here that are some of the best shots PT has ever done uh, which I know is a big claim but I really feel that's that way. a big claim and <laughs> and I've watched it now, like like I said, five or six times, and every time I see it, it feels kind of like an understate. Like this is going to be like his um, understated masterpiece. Like it's not going to be for everybody. It's not going to ever get the same acclaim that like there will be blood or Magnolia or Boogie Nights, yeah. Scott. But for people who love PTA and for people who have a connection to this material, and also I imagine I, I don't I haven't read a lot of Thomas Pynchon, but if you are a Pynchon fan, this is about as close as you can get to a cinematic adaption of his work. Um, it's yeah. also like his most uh, consumer friendly, his most um, accessible work also. Like it's just a, for him, it is a fairly straight up mystery versus a lot of his other work. But so, so there's that. And uh, I actually I dragged a friend of mine. They were doing it before COVID. They were doing a screening of it at a theater here in San Francisco. I dragged one of my coworkers to it. And I almost felt like, wow, you are a really good friend because this movie is exhausting (laughs) and complicated and has a lot of like things in it that frankly, one of the reasons why it's so compelling to me is that there are things in here that I find problematic and weird and kind of inexplicable. And even just that, it's like, it's like, it's sort of like, um, this movie is almost like a sea urchin, like uni at a sushi restaurant where it's like, I can never blame anyone for not wanting to eat that. Like, not really. Like, I think people should try it but if someone is like, no, I just know I'm not, I, I can say nothing to rebut that. But at the yeah. same time, if you know what it is and you have like the appreciation for it, there's nothing that comes close to it. You know what I mean? And so I was really excited to, frankly, I'm excited when anyone I know sees it because then I can sort of like, I don't even want to know if they like it because I don't <laughs> yeah. think that that's my, my, uh, that's not what I expect people to do. I don't expect them really to like it all the time, mm-hmm. but I just want to know their thoughts on it, frankly, because I have, it's to me, it's such a rich movie and it hits so many of like my pleasure centers that I want to know like what, whether that's like just me or if it's like other people have like, it feels like a movie that no matter what, you're going to have a reaction to it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's kind of why I like when it, when people um, I know watch it because then I can kind of like say, Oh yeah, that's, a, that's a way of thinking about it. You know? It's one of those kind of movies. And so what else do I have to say about it? Um, I, I also will say, this is my final thing before I, I, I also think that in terms of translating a human experience to cinema, right? Personally speaking, no other movie has ever that I've seen. I'm sure there's some art movie that does it better, but no other movie has ever captured the feeling of when you're stoned and you can't quite grasp what is wrong. Like you can tell that there is something wrong and you know that things are getting weird and you know that people around you are are somehow off, but you just can't put your finger on it. And that's a lot of what this movie feels like. And, and it, to capture that very specific feeling in cinema, like on, on a camera is just like, and I, I don't even mean like the, um, the plot, I mean like straight up the images, like, the way that it's shot, the way that the characters talk to each other, that thing you're talking about where he screams and there's like these little surreal moments that aren't acknowledged at all, but are just kind of in there um, just to kind of fuck with the viewer. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean where it's like, when you're really high and you you go like, 
when when you're really high and you kind of and some so you feel like something just happened and you can't remember if you thought it happened or it did happen exactly. and then you're like looking exactly. around everybody and you're like did that just happen and everyone's like yeah. what do you or mean do you guys how do you guys feel like is everything okay are, are we yeah. okay and you're they're like yeah we're okay but you don't can't quite believe them it's like yeah i spent one time like, i was in a car with some paranoia, friends almost. Yeah. yeah i was i was fucking high off my uh, possibly a few other things than than just marijuana but <laughs> like i i spent like this, this hour-long car ride with my friends once and i was just in the back and afterward i got out of the car and i was like hey i'm really sorry i feel really weird about the fact that i was just like in the back seat talking to myself the whole time and they're like what do you mean and i realized yeah. afterward i was just thinking but in my head that's it exactly felt like i was talking to myself that's exactly what it feels like to watch this movie. And I would yeah. say also if you get like a light buzz, that's the ideal way to watch it because then you're like a little mm-hmm. less – I find that when you're sober watching it, you're a little too fixated on like the mystery plot points. And it actually yeah. works better if you just kind of completely – especially if you don't know the plot already, if you mm-hmm. just completely give into it and just kind of look at what's happening versus like, okay, wait, so he knew this person from where? Like that to me will kind of ruin it for people and I – I think that's honestly one of the reasons why it didn't get more attention than it did is that it is yeah. like, especially the first time you watch it, which I'm interested to hear what you guys think as first time viewers. Even I found it kind of infuriating. Like it was boring. I, I like I the last like hour. The last just, hour like, a was a lot rough. of because you just felt like everything rough. was getting resolved, and yet there was still some. I was like, okay, everything's resolved now. There's clearly and yet things nothing aren't left. clear because yeah. it's hard to follow. And so, what I will say though, having seen it six times, is that the mystery itself is airtight. I will yeah. say that. Like as somebody who know, has seen this movie enough to know all the plot points and all the characters yeah. and stuff, the mystery does hold up. There isn't like a big sleep thing where people are like, "Well, who actually did it?" and they're like, "Oh, I don't yeah. know." Like no, it's it is it is a structured airtight mystery. Yeah. It's but, my biggest problem with a there's a the the cult not a cult movie, but it's a very famous older film called The Third Man also starring Orson Welles. Oh yeah, um, sure. And that one have have either I I'm assuming Marcos has it cuz he says that he no. doesn't watch a lot of older films. No. Um but Dave, have you seen the, the third man? I have seen the first 15 minutes of it, which okay. are a great first 15 yeah. for the record. My big like problem that opening with opening narration is, is fantastic. Yeah. My my big problem with with the third man, which is like everyone loves it, but my my problem with it is that the first time watching it was really good. But the mm-hmm. the second and third time I've watched it, like it because of the fact that it it's like an hour and fifteen minutes of mystery, and then you fig and then the big twist happens, and then there's like thirty minutes left of the film. It's just an hour and fifteen minutes of some guy dicking around to find the answer that you already know, mm, and like yeah. you some of that film is some of the movies just kind of lost in the fact that you're like. Why do you kind of know what the answer is? Can we just get to the part where he finds out? Because yeah. that part's more interesting. Right. Yeah, I can kind of feel that in this movie actually. Is, uh... I'm curious. I I'm curious to watch it again. As much as I did kind of find it a bit of a slog, and especially the runtime, mm-hmm. like I would be curious to watch it again with kind of the the knowledge of how it all pans out, just to see yeah. it again and and kind of take it in that way. I... And that's the hard part too. Is like you, it's hard to tell somebody. Okay, so you have to watch it one time, and then the second <laughs> time it'll be good. Like yeah. that's such a dumb thing to say to people, but it is kind of true. Like once you know the beats of it, like you're able to follow it actually a lot better and things don't feel like, I remember the first time I watched it, it felt like things were just happening. Like I was just like kind of what you said yeah. about people just showing up. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? And now I got to remember. <laughs> and then it's like, and he's like gone after that scene, like the Martin short character. I remember getting real hung up on that. Like, why yeah. is he here? Like, what does he do? Yeah. He's just like some weird, like a creepy dentist. Like, and then it's like, you watch he it again. No and 
yeah, to me. See, like, Again, maybe a second viewing, but he made no sense to me even. And the thing that's frustrating also is it's a comedy. And so there yeah. is jokes. Like, he's doing bits. And so you're kind of like... <laughs> Wait, is he just there to do bits? Like I like, and it's like, yeah. It's I mean, I wasn't short, shocked. It was Martin Short. <laughs> yep. And and uh, well, I'm gonna stop talking. I want to hear like your like initial thoughts from both of you on this movie. Mm-hmm. This is almost like research for me. I don't even. Care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious about people's takes on inherent bias. I love this. I lo- that's kind of what I like about it. Like I said, is like the chewing on it. You know, of of the as a movie. That's kind of what's so great about it. Yeah. Marcos, do you want to go first? Please sure. don't do a whole recap of the movie. No, I won't do a whole recap of this movie. Are you kidding me? Uh, so How could you? Uh, I mean, I could, but you don't want me to. It, that was that was like half an hour of last episode. So don't encourage him. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay. Anyway, um, so you just want to know my initial response, right? Uh, for the most part, I mean, of course, I'm going to give you more information than that. But initially, when I started watching it, you know, I like suspense i like uh mystery movies i do i very much enjoy that so when it began i thought it was interesting and i thought it was kind of strange though uh in terms of who's narrating and why that that was a little odd to me because it's uh it's that one other girl with i can't forget how do you at least joanna newsome joanna newsome no what's her character sort of liege sort of liege yeah sort of liege are you talking about the lady who was over overdubbing everything yeah yeah, so yeah, okay, yeah, I thought that was yeah. weird. Uh, it almost, by the end of the film, made no sense because it, she, yeah. uh, she was, you know, she was kind of doing the narration throughout most of it, um, all the way, all almost all the way up until the end. And so I thought perhaps yeah. that was there was going to be some type of resolution or reason as to why she specifically is the one doing the narration. There wasn't really like a specific reason <laughs> other than she was just like good friends with them that's it um so that to me that was a lot well by the end of the film well uh, not to interrupt you but like uh-huh. that was a thing that i got on probably like my second or third viewing which yeah. is like one of those obvious this is like a obvious film theory type bullshit but like what the stoner is ESP she a real person esp oh is she a real person yeah because i kind of thought does that she interact with well. anybody but him yeah no. yes he, i think the I only actually... one stop- and she also disappears with no explanation a couple yeah. times. Well, I was going to say, there's yeah. a scene where it's him, and they're all sitting at that pizza place. Is it a pizza place? I don't remember. It's him, her, and like two yeah. other dudes. So she's definitely in places where it's other than him. Yeah, but she only interacts with but... She's touching him the whole time. Yeah, and, and she doesn't talk to anybody else. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, kind of, I kind of thought that when I by the end of the film, I was like, I think this is his narration. I think what we're supposed to get from it is that it's possibly his narration he is just that butt in the head. It like, he is, has this yeah. other person that is is doing stuff for him. Like, that is especially possible. given that he he himself hears, like, her say things all the time. And even the fact that, like, um, when he when he's doing the, the Ouija board mm-hmm. and, like, comes up with the numbers, she just says, like, it's a trap. And later it was a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh... And then, well, what's her name makes specific mention to her, uh, the his ex girlfriend. She yeah, makes but right. if you have him, so she you knows know, about multiple her. personality syndrome. I hi- now we're really stretching her. Okay, I, I, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. I don't think it's like a clinical <laughs> deal. I think it's more like, I honestly, the way I see it, I don't think she's a fake character either. I think she's real. I just think that the movie she is like one of the more like 
surreal aspects of the movie because she is kind of like mm-hmm. this mystic person like she kind yeah. of like she's into like astrology she gives him advice like yeah i think that she's just kind of supposed to be like a um a chorus almost where yeah like they are real but in a in like the storytell in the, from a storytelling perspective she's there to tell the story not to be like a character who does anything in the action you know what yeah. i mean yeah, yeah, so yeah. then to yeah. shoot it as somebody he talks to is kind of like embracing this whole like everyone's stoned everyone's kind of like in their head everyone has like these paranoid thoughts and she's kind of like the comforting version of like being in your head while you're stoned like yeah you have more creativity you see more connections you make Mm -hmm. more um you know you make more positive assumptions you know what i mean yeah and so i don't like thinking about normally that's always my take whenever there's that kind of debate in movies of like were they real or were they i'm always kind of like well yeah they were real like they were there like i don't i don't like (laughs) this idea that like you can explain everything away with like psychosis or something i think well, that's yeah. yeah my my whole perspective on her i never once questioned whether or not she was real or not um that that's right. not my issue with her my issue with her is just that i almost found her character a little pointless <laughs> regardless yeah. i right. mean besides well, she's you know, not in the book like he I made her up for the movie she's yeah, not in the i think book. there's almost the part where like in what i'm no, saying yeah. is me trying to find purpose for her because i found none in the film yeah i just feel like there isn't right. and that's that's just yeah. one of the things that i was looking for through the film because you know i mean as you're watching this you know it's a mystery and you're trying to figure things <laughs> out that's what the film wants you to do in a way but at the same time yeah, part right. of the film wants you to do exactly what dave was talking about and that is just kind of chill through it um yeah so it's like it wants you to to do two two things at once uh, chill or pay attention as well <laughs> it's very weird but uh you know honestly th- one of the first times i saw it, her narration was more frustrating because she would narrate stuff as though it was making connections and it didn't yeah. because there was so and so like i got yeah. kind of like i think as you go on like like you anticipate what she's going to say more and it makes more sense because you know more versus yeah. like the first time you're like like to me the most frustrating part of the whole movie the first time i saw it was when she goes uh and she's like what's in her advice like i don't know and then she comes in with the explanation that gives you like nothing it's like that doesn't that doesn't explain it either yeah (laughs) like you know what i mean and i remember getting so frustrated about that because i I thought at the end of it it was going to be like either she does die or he dies and that would be like the quote-unquote inherent vice like in this line of work that's the inherent vice and it was like but then by the end of it i was like "Mm, it just meant nothing (laughs) yeah yeah just couldn't be insured because of inherent vice yeah that's and any movie that mentions insurance Honestly, just gets me going. But you know, the other way to think about the title, though, is like Miami Vice. Like yeah, no, a, I, I actually a... thought this movie was set in Miami because of just like the aesthetic of the poster. <laughs> it did feel well very as, Miami aesthetic. Uh, yeah. As well as, yeah. Guys, I, I just have to say, as like, I understand why you thought that from the poster and trailer, but the way that the fucking SoCal Beach is shot, like he shot that, oh, in, yeah. like, that no, opening shot, shot where it says Gordita Beach 1970, yeah. that is yeah. like... Ugh, it's just so pretty and the way that yeah, he talks yeah. about la too in this like like historically minded kind of like the way that it was transitioning from like small towns into like a lot of development and mm, just yeah it's such an la movie it's a, it's another obviously it's paul thomas anderson he loves la but like yeah you know to me that was like another chapter in this california story he's been telling you know all yeah. the way from like there will be blood in the 1900 and like <laughs> literally 1901 or whatever to yeah, like yeah you know um it's it's why like i have so many people so many friends over here who don't really rate once upon a time in hollywood 
Oh, I love that. Movie. Like they think it's they they don't really care for it. I love and that like, movie so much. Too. But but that's the thing is like oh. I'm I'm like I I'll be a hundred percent honest with everyone that I speak to here and say that some of my love of that movie is that I've spent four years in this country not being at this point unable to go back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's yeah. there's a like. There's so many times when I lived in like fucking deep Orange County, like I lived in Buena Vista and I would oh drive God. to Malibu and just chill in the, on the beach like at, at three o'clock in the morning. Like I used to drive yeah. through all of Orange County, all of L.A., all of downtown L.A., all of Hollywood, get to Malibu and just sit on the beach. Yeah. And like those days I miss them because I don't have them anymore. And like to so when I watch a movie like uh like like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where a lot of the movie is Brad Pitt just driving through streets that I recognize, there I un I yeah. am willing to admit there's an element of nostalgia there when I watch that film. Yeah, yeah, we are kind of spoiled as as people from LA where it's like yeah because people the people make movies there like they tend to depict it really well and it's like yeah um, all right hey, hey uh... um. So not to not to catch you guys short, but we gotta gotta we kinda gotta cut this along, man. <laughs> do we? I mean do you have somewhere to go? <laughs> well, my wife's asking me to do something here, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um I mean So not to be completely wanna, rude. I mean, well I'm if, if, about... if you need to go, Dave yeah. and I can keep going. <laughs> no, I mean I've only talked about like <laughs> yeah. I mean I could leave early. Yeah, you guys could could keep talking. Um, yeah, but let me go ahead and finish. Yeah, well, let's let's focus on thing. you for a little bit. Like, yeah, well, yeah. yeah what, talk about what, let's thing. talk about That's other things. You, the girl, <laughs> that one girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. Do you uh, do you want to continue with your thoughts, or yeah, do you want no, Reese to give his I'm going to continue with my thoughts. Um, yeah, let's do it. But yeah, so it gave me so it gave me uh, a a lot of vibes of um, like I said, those two movies of a uh, of fear and loathing in Las Vegas kind of vibe because our character is mm-hmm. constantly pretty much constantly high uh you can tell he is kind of a <laughs> yeah. recovering addict so there's that aspect as well uh since he was not always doing cocaine but he definitely had that issue because in that scene yeah. when he's in the dental office just fucking like he can't get enough <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that was it was yeah that it was it was done really well yeah it was <laughs> it's done it was. really well yeah um and then you have our girl our mystery girl uh his ex-girlfriend yeah and um, yeah i thought she was a good character i think she was in the film the perfect amount of time she maintained the mystery um mm. and then come to that uh kind of like the resolution where they she finally comes back from her trip out at sea you know on the golden fang right. to wherever the fuck she yeah. went probably to be i don't know passed around as she fucking well she literally says that she says yeah. that i was yeah, he dressed me up in yeah. short dresses and passed me to anybody who looked at who's had a long glance. Yeah, at yeah you know, yeah, exactly. you know, I think I think if you want to get to something, we got to talk about that scene because to me, especially the first time I saw it, it was just so what shocking. I think my initial reaction was that it was like shocking and yeah. kind of problematic a little bit. Like yeah. I was a little it's bit really like, gross. It's what really the gross. fuck is this? This it kind of can't, comes out of nowhere. What yeah. happens? And it feels like like frankly a little it just feels like too violent like you see this guy as like this dopey stoner and then out of nowhere he's like slapping his girlfriend and just like fucking her really quick and it's such a and then also the fact that she's kind of like playing up this sort of like um 
like she's talking about what she did and like yeah. saying that she like fucked up and it felt very like punishing like yeah. like this girl fucked up and now we gotta fucking punish her like and so when i saw that i think actually i woke up in the first screening <laughs> in the movie like right as that was happening where she came back and then all of a sudden yeah. i'm like whoa and also that scene is also kind of boring for as yeah, sexy as it is like it's very fucking... boring and you lose track of what she's talking about and yeah. then out of nowhere he just like hits her a couple times well, and, okay like, so here's my perspective i legitimately i i and then immediate I pivot as... to this like cute line that's like you know we're not back to you it's like what well, what yeah, are you yeah. talking about? Let me, uh, like, yeah. I, I legitimately fell asleep, like, for, like, not full fell asleep, <laughs> but, like, during that scene, but, I was like, starting to doze off. And then, like, I, for a second, I came back to myself, and I was like, you're literally nodding off as there's just, like, a naked woman on fucking screen. Like, this is I supposed know, to be, yeah. like, what it, like, it almost felt like, like, that was the point. Like, it was supposed to be a, this, this kind of cliche Hollywood scene that, like, grabs your attention. And yeah. yet, and yet it's, it's just so fucking boring. Like, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Marcos, what were you going to say? Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't exactly the most. Well, I don't want to say it wasn't exciting because it was shocking, like Dave said. It was like, oh, okay, she's fucking naked now. Like, I didn't expect her yeah. to completely get naked. Yeah, even I, that's I, I mean, I kind of like, expected it, to be honest. Of, like, cut to her naked. It's like, oh my gosh. Well, wow. I expected the her escalation. to be seductive because that's what she was kind of doing. In fact, yeah. ever since he first saw her again in the beginning, she was kind of being seductive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even though she needed his help for like a boyfriend who she apparently loved, and I do like the yeah, line which that, that just went nowhere. Like so, well, I do like her the line that love the, of him went nowhere. Well, I do like the well, line did that she? Alish, I mean, that's a question. I don't think that's for sure. Well, well, I do, I do like the line that Alicia said uh, about love being tossed around too too many times in that decade. So it kind of lost its meaning. She Great, line. She loved, Great line. But you know, it doesn't have its full meaning. I mean, you just see that throughout the entire thing. How she's just kind of. Yeah, I feel like she's just a girl stuck in a hard place. Uh, I'll be, to be honest, I'll be right back. Yeah, to the restroom. But and to you me, guys it kind of talking. brings up like, okay, yeah, yeah. So to me, it's also like a question of like, does she have like? It's sort of like, um, you know, I think there's like a sex positive way of looking at it. It's like, well, she's like doing what she needs to. do. It's like she said, she got other fish to fry. Like she's doing yeah. something for herself. She's giving up like what is admittedly kind of a dead end lifestyle. I mean, you're just getting high with this dude. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like I could see why she might want to pivot into the quote-unquote straight world. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she comes back because it's, like, so... And obviously the story is about, like, just how dark and how corrupt and how just fucked the straight world is. Yeah. And so I could see also when she comes back, like, she is, like, admitting, yeah, it was horrible. And I I ruined this guy's... Like, I helped contribute to this guy, you know, um, going into an insane asylum and going back on his idea to give free rent to people. And, like, I... Yeah betrayed a lot so but i could really see had, that like, like i think no choice too at the same time when you're dealing with the people that they were dealing with exactly yeah. like she got caught up in in, a, in things that were way bigger than she ever thought you yeah. know what i mean like well so did her main um, protagonist he, he was like <laughs> which is i was also, thinking the whole time yeah. this guy's over his head <laughs> <laughs> well that's what's so like kind of cool about him is he is kind of like just like uh mr nashville just like, going along just like all right getting through it and then like even like the thing at the end where he gets like trapped with that um, mobster guy with the baseball bats, like yeah. he just kind of moseys in there, like he's not thinking, he's not, do- and he just like lucks out that he even gets out of there <sighs> See, at all. That's, that's what the um, fucking that's that's something that's a scene that I had a problem with because I kept trying to figure out what is this guy's plan for because like for most yeah. of his situations, he just kind of 
talks to people and it's all right you know which in most situations that would be all right but when he goes into that guy who like he said he's been shot at and even said he would be killed with a special bat he just goes in there anyway and just like all right i'm gonna talk i know you know nothing will nothing's he doesn't even have a backup plan. He even talks about how he doesn't have a backup plan. Right. I apologize like, greatly. Yeah. I am back. No, that's right. With, with, okay. Like not even having a partner watching his back as he, how he said, and it's just like, yeah, yeah that, that was really dumb. And you somehow get out of there with uh, two dead bodies under your belt. Um, <laughs> you murdered two. I people. do love that escape. It's such a good. It's such a good moment. And then Josh Brolin's just like scene. there stealing cocaine to plant it in his car later on. Just like, oh hey, what's up? <laughs> See like, that's what's that, so confusing. What that the hell? there's so many overlapping things happening with that bit because it's like the the detect the Bigfoot wants yeah uh, he wanted Doc to get captured to go in there and get captured and yeah. ultimately kill the guys like he planned that to happen but then he also stole drugs from them to plan on him so he would be killed in case like there was evidence that like you know Bigfoot was the one who sent him in there yeah and yeah. so it's just like and also I think that's also a comment though and also if you choose not to be in the straight world you know, as Doc has, like, he commits to that really heavily, like, mm. you can kind of survive the, the treachery of it, you know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. get dragged into corruption, you don't get dragged into, you know, being a like, uh, like a plaything of a rich guy, you don't end but, up having to send some guy to a sanatorium, you know what I mean? Like, but, those are things that don't happen to Doc and obviously in real life, he would just get killed, but yeah. in the movie, it's sort of like you know, it, it, it's yeah. like, uh, At- at the same time, I feel like I feel like Doc is this perfect kind of he in the in the sense of what you're talking about of like the straight world versus the hippie world. Doc is this mm-hmm. perfect fucking like he is what the 1940s like PI yeah. was. He is that middle ground between them. Yeah, he yeah. is both yeah. kind of a part exactly. of the straight world and kind of a part of the hippie world. Where like right. you know even when he when he goes to the fucking sex parlor, she's like, "Are you a cop?" And he's like, "I'm a PI." What does that make me? Like what? What? Like what? 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 How much do I get to be in the right. cop world? Well, it's still um, exactly. And even to the sense of like, like when he yeah. goes to that that dinner when he's like, he's like, meet me for dinner, and he's like, okay, what should I? What should I wear? And obviously he wears some kind of mocky outfit, but there's like specific scenes where he like when he goes to uh, the the wife's house to like like bamboozle her he like there's certain scenes where he shaves his his mustache and goatee to be perfectly clean shaven Mm -hmm. as if like almost like there's like a middle ground of clean shaven straight world but he still has Mm -hmm. these sideburns that are coming in on the side and like infiltrating that straight world into the hippie world of like fucking beard hair and and leg hair and fucking armor and everything everything you can think of like it's just it's this freedom world that's like coming in on the keep yourself to look like presentable world well yeah to add yeah. to that like he even has his uh, when when he first sees his uh, girlfriend again shasta um mm-hmm. he even says you know i have an office now so it's almost like yeah. more of that idea right there yeah yeah, yeah so well, it's, it's also for, like, like most in, of that in... first scene in his office i really thought that he was like pretending to be a doctor and that's why this guy was confused <laughs> Dude, it did look like a doctor's office didn't it <laughs> yeah well it did no that's the joke he isn't a that's a that's like a joke he like rented out a dentist office yeah, yeah. For his detective agency yeah um and like uh i uh oh what was i gonna say yeah i, I rem- it does remind me of Norse, so because like you would have like underworld contacts you know like in the yeah. mob or something you would know what was happening on the street but mm-hmm. you're also and kind of he does too you also know the law and you know like yeah 
how cops work and you know how politics work and you know the connections between yeah. you know what it means to be at the end like, of the day there's this cop who keeps fucking beating him up guy. and trying to fuck him up but still calls him and goes here's a lead thanks bye <laughs> i absolutely yeah. love the way the cop world is depicted in this movie i yeah. love it so much because it's like it's not yeah it's still a comedy obviously so it is mm-hmm. a little satirical but it is seen as like this like almost like its own version of the mob. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just one that is like in the public eye and that does a public service. Like that yeah. to me well, I felt like was such a Josh, perfect... Like, Bigfoot to me felt like uh, almost the, the like the other side of the coin of of Doc. Of like, he is mm-hmm. somebody who's has this firm foot in the straight world but is a little bit in the hippie world but doesn't yeah. want to admit well, I, it. Doesn't Bigfoot want, felt he's... massively repressed to me in a lot of ways. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Are you talking about the scene where well, I legitimately was like, Jesus, I'd love to get a blowjob from Josh banana? Brolin. Yeah, no, not just that scene. But like, you, you kind of Like, I never it. thought that Josh Brolin was attractive until that scene and I was like, I mean, I'd let him suck my dick. <laughs> he looks like I he's I think got he's skills. actually the funniest character. I think he's like... No, he is. Per- he, is like, think so. he makes me laugh the hardest because I... I'm sorry to interrupt, but like my favorite joke in the whole thing, oh, it's so perfect, is when, because he's also an actor. And so like, yeah. that's another part of it where he's like, he's talking about like Vincent Bellagosi. Who it, got felt famous so off the it felt he so LA. It felt so He wants to be so, he wants to, he's got extra work, you know? And mm-hmm. I love that my favorite moment in the whole movie is when he's at home and you first see him and he's on TV and that hippie outfit selling the, the new yeah. development. And oh, it's such a great line. It makes you so happy where he's like, and a view of the Channel Islands drainage ditch, which can only be described in two words. Right on. And it's yeah. like a shot of the wash, yeah. which is also like hyper LA, like seeing those like paved riverways. Mm. It's yeah. so... Oh, that to those me is paved, like, that is bone only dry PTA riverways. Like that. I was gonna say, this only terrible. he would know to do something like that. <laughs> exactly. Like, what, a, what a strange world I lived in and it didn't experience it. Like now where like, the river is that i live nearby is constantly has water in it (laughs) like that is a like my whole life was right next to the santa Ana river and if i saw water in that thing i would be like oh shit is it is there a problem like what's going on like yeah yeah there must have been heavy rain flooding flash flood warnings well you know it it actually there is more water now like i'm sure it's gonna it you know it vacillates but i remember going home and going to uh the la river and i was like oh I guess we've had been having more rain. Like it was like yeah. I remember being surprised. I'd never seen it that full that consistently. Yeah. Um, or is our our river here? If it rains heavily, it's gonna like there's there's parks all, all along the Taft River, and they just fucking flood constantly. If, if if there's heavy rain, it's just like it's it's like a solid like two feet of water in the parks mm, for like a right, week or so. Yeah. It's nuts. So yeah. aside from the character just being. Um... I don't know. To me, he felt a little unbelievable. There was just too many things that happened a little too perfectly for him. That kind of yeah. it kind of took me out of it. Uh, I did like the mm. comedic break, which was the you know possible mentally unstable side of our character. Uh, for example, mm. you know the, the scream at the child's picture, the slap in his uh, office from that girl after he asked her to go out or whatever or go somewhere else to have a right. conversation. Um, you know those other surreal moments that we were talking about. Um, I yeah. do like how they use that as comedic break, but that was its only purpose, you know? Um, so I feel like there could have been something more done there, but, you know, it felt like the only purpose for those surreal moments was like a comedic break. I don't really felt, I didn't feel anything else from them. Um, the I do feel like it was a little too complicated in terms of trying to follow the story. 
and I feel like that affected it very negatively because um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff. it is exhausting. There was a lot of stuff it, that was it is, happening. Yeah. It can be real exhausting. Yeah. yeah, and it felt a little unnecessary. Yeah, just uh, it's. I I feel bad because I do feel like this movie just was a slog to get through. Yeah, and there's a part of me that wants to watch it again. Like you said, with the with the the knowledge now of what how the scenes are going to progress and kind of watch mm-hmm. it from there, but yeah. it's it's a it's a two and a half hour movie. It's a it's a long ass. I know, and that's the I know. Problem. It's it's such a big. That's why again, I cannot blame anybody's if they don't want to watch. Like actually, my friend Melissa, I texted her last night. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna watch this. You want to watch this over Zoom?" And she's like, "I'm starting to get a migraine." Um, <laughs> I was like, you know what? No, let's not. This is not the movie to watch. <laughs> never yeah. mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I, I do understand that, and it, it's probably why it will never be you know seen as like his best movie. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like I, I don't. Whereas, uh, like it's going like back cult... to what we've talked about before with Phantom yeah. Thread, like as I really loved that film. Yeah. I I know for a fact there's going to be so much I'd get more from it on a rewatch, but I also feel like I got a lot from it on the first watch mm-hmm. and I don't require that second watch. I see I felt like that's actually a great way to describe it cuz I felt like Phantom Thread was this was like fitting in a billion ideas. Phantom Thread mm-hmm. fit in like two and yeah. wanted yeah. to talk <laughs> about those two ideas for 2 hours and I was just like it's pretty, it's always pretty it's GTA. <laughs> Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis is killing it because oh, yeah. he's Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, it was great. But I don't need to see this ever again, and yeah. I don't really understand what people are getting so much out of it. Like, it just, and, like, compared to this, it felt like yeah. just, like, a real one-note. But pitch. but compared you know to this, I mean? if I was going to watch a Walking Phoenix PTA collab, I'd watch The Master. Like, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like so, The Master's better. So to play off of that, I was going to say this as well, Reese, is that uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like looking at it from an actor perspective, it didn't feel like this film really let any actors truly shine. Like, not even Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, Josh Brolin yeah. was great, actually. What? I did like his character very much so. Oh! I like, I like Josh Brolin's character. <laughs> you set off Dave. <laughs> Listen, Joaquin Phoenix... <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. That role that he had to play, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it could have been played by a bunch of different actors and it yeah. really would have had the same effect to be honest his character wasn't really given much to do besides all right you're just a stoner and you're a pi and you you're confused that's it you know that's I, what i felt i like. actually agree i think joaquin phoenix is the most like plain vanilla thing in this yeah. movie i i, yeah. I don't but mind that i, I think, think that's coming from actor, the but... yeah. i think that's coming from the the like playing on the trope of the of the noir film mm-hmm. because as much as humphrey bogart is actually like fucking really good yeah. at, at his job like he's a he's a really good actor mm-hmm. he can he can convey dialogue that should be stilted dialogue in such a fucking natural way mm-hmm. that's like just ungodly yeah. but at the same time if you analyze his characters in like the big sleep or the maltese falcon or any of the mm-hmm. fucking famous noir films that he did like you do go like what what is his character like the, he's kind of nothing <laughs> he's kind of like he... the pasta that everything goes on top of you know what i mean like exactly <laughs> But he's not like the reason you're there, you know. You yeah, you don't want to eat straight pasta. Alfredo yeah. sauce, but at the same time, yeah. fettuccine Alfredo is why you're there. Like fettuccine yeah. doesn't right. mean anything to you. Alfredo sauce would be kind of gross to eat on its own, but together they do something that that makes it more interesting. Yeah, and for having, I actually, yeah, so go ahead, go ahead. for having such an ensemble cast, you mm-hmm. know, like they had a lot of good actors uh, and yeah. actresses. I just feel like you know even the ones that i that i generally like watching like i do like joaquin phoenix personally i like him in a lot of films um but i just feel like this one didn't do him any good specifically uh, 
you know, Josh Brolin's character was good, but uh, that was the only one that I really, really enjoyed. Other than that, I mean, I was just watching the story, and I honestly I stopped paying attention to Joaquin Phoenix entirely, and I was kind of just yeah. focusing on on the little people that showed else. up. Yeah, like I was focusing on everything yeah. else around him versus him himself. But again, I think that's the trope of of like a noir film. Of like, I don't think maybe that was maybe the intention, but I think playing on so much of the noir theme like that's just kind of the element that comes with it yeah oh okay yeah i guess so i guess so but to me that was a little disappointing because when you're getting actors like that when you're getting characters like like i feel like you could have done something a little more with that or you know because it makes me want to pay attention to the actor because i i like the actor um but when i do i end up becoming you know like oh okay he's this is how he's going to be. And he pretty much was that throughout the entire film. Yeah. In terms Can of, I so do... we had a conversation. Hold on, hold on, real quick. Yeah, real quick. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We, we yeah. were talking about character development, right? Yeah. There didn't feel like much, at least not no, meaningful not... for yeah. our character, our main protagonist. Uh, no. Yeah. And you know, that's probably why that scene where he they have sex is so shocking, is it's like the only time that he's not this like, yeah. well, kind of like happy-go-lucky doper dude. <laughs> like to me, that's, there was no build up to that. There was no development. To yeah. me, like, it nowhere, was really shocking. That. It felt it felt antithesis to his character. It, to me, it felt exactly. like it wasn't about his character. It was about her. It was about Shasta. Yeah, but even if it was about but Shasta, it felt he's it there, felt. But it wasn't about him. I know. But, but even toward like, her, it just felt like he was like... treating her the same way that all those other guys. Like as she's just told the story about exactly. how she's been passed around, mm-hmm. this person exactly. who she's divulging these the like her her heart out to. Yeah. It treats her ends up treating her the same way and i think that exactly it's it's really unfortunate and it just feels like it's not who the character we just watched was mm, yeah exactly no, true it is i would have almost rather they not scary. get back together and not yeah. have that scene to be honest like yeah i don't no, think you're right it does anything, feel like it feels so out of place i think it would have been better so if they hadn't gotten back together i felt like and then was, to immediately yeah. go to she's being like cute about it like yeah this doesn't mean we're back together it's like what like yeah. it just feels like such a 180 or 90 because it, it makes it feel like she's because you can see where she's coming from she's kind of in this mindset of like okay well he's just like the people who i'm used to so she treats him that way but then the rest of the movie gives you no indication that he is as bad as the golden fang oh no you yeah so exactly. i got a completely different vibe from that scene okay so so for me she was uh essentially coming to him I think for some type of atonement, you know, mm-hmm. that's why she's telling him all these things. Like she really does want to be, uh, in a way punished for, you know, everything that she's done. Cause she, fi- she doesn't feel good about the situation she was in. She feels responsible mm-hmm. yeah. for a lot of what she has got that happened, guy sent away. And, you know? and yeah, so you know. she's telling him all this to, uh, you know, invoke a response. And I think our character, I think, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, realizes exactly what she does want because you know that isn't him but he gives Mm -hmm. her what she's asking him for because that's what she wanted Mm -hmm. she even explicitly tells him what to do right now and so he obliges because that's our character he's a people pleaser and that's what he did okay i can kind of see that i did see i do see that as like a more sex positive way of like sort of she you know like and also, that was the thing too. I was like, maybe that was always their dynamic. Maybe she likes. Yeah. No, being, it definitely you know, wasn't always. Maybe that's dynamic. just. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like, that's why she signed up for the dude in the first place to be like his like kind of play thing. Like, maybe that's sort of like her owning her sexuality, owning her agency, yeah. like willing to do this because she sees some kind of benefit out of it. But 
I just, yeah, I think it's just, I just kind of, it was kind of like a, if you're eating something and then all of a sudden there's like a super spicy chili in one bite, <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, like, I'm not saying that the chili's bad, but I'm saying that like, it doesn't, it didn't feel like it was yeah. making you're sense. You're just, you're, you're, you're biting in into a sandwich and, then and also, you hit a mustard seed and you're just like, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other thing that it makes, and this is like kind of the sticky thing. And this is like why I, I was, I say I'm kind of frustrated by the movie Yeah, is it bring it makes me as the audience member ask immediately think like, okay, because I've also read the script. That's how much I, I care about this movie. I've yeah. read the screenplay. The screenplay does not describe how they have sex. It literally just says, like, um, she gets cut, like she cuts cut off, mm-hmm. and they have sex. That's all that it says in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So my question is, who was making what decisions on that day on that set? Because. I could also yeah. see, and and Catherine Watterson has not said anything about it. In fact, she's been asked about it. She says like, it's on there. It's you know, it's something that I was on board with. I knew it was going on. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, you know, I don't know that she has anything negative to say about it. But you make you think like, okay, there's PTA, and there's Joaquin Phoenix, and there's a naked woman, and the goal is to have sex with her in a fairly yeah. aggressive way. Is and it, it kind of a last wonder, who in is make- situation? Yeah, that's like, who mean. is making what decisions here? You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. that's, as a viewer, the especially the first time I saw it, I was like, all right, because that, and I also want to, I haven't actually finished reading the yeah, book. It's, it's, I, I started it, but I want to see how it, it's depicted in the book, yeah. too. Because to me, that's like, uh-huh. Paul, PTA, hey, you're the you're the mastermind, you're mm-hmm. the one coming out, you're the one that's adapting for the screen, all that shit. Yeah. At what point did you decide, no, I need to use the take where we do something a little sharper, a little more violent, a little more aggressive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that was a conscious choice and I want to know whose choice it was and how yeah. much input everyone had in it. Cause to me, <sighs> and I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I certainly wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And I think there are valid artistic reasons to include it, but yeah. it does kind of bring up that question, especially like kind of post me too, of like, who is making what decisions about, about the art that's yeah. made, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that to me was kind of like another, thing to deal with i think when i first saw it, it it's um, something that i think about in like i will not think about often but like it's something that recently i've thought about which is mm-hmm. i feel like if you are a female actress there's an expectation that at some point you're gonna have there's gonna be a movie where you're shirtless mm-hmm. like that's that's just like something that's in or at the very like, least there'll film. be an offer you know what i mean like an yeah offer at least yeah there's you know? gonna be like an offer where they're gonna be like well we want you to do this film and but uh you're going to have to be shirtless. And they're like, eh, right. no, not for me. But yeah. like, there's not, not that expectation that, for you know? men. There's not that expectation. Exactly. And exactly. I almost I, would have liked it better if they showed him it was dick. I think that would have helped actually in the scene. Yeah. I think that could have been cool. I think there's, um, there's, there's a lot of films that, that tr- like it's, it's unfortunate because obviously it means that it's playing on a trope, but there's a lot of films with male actors where they do full frontal and everything like that. And yeah. it it's played about vulnerability, of course. but like mm-hmm. that vulnerability is just not there sometimes for, for female actors. Yeah. No, she didn't. Um, yeah. I, the, yeah. A movie that I think plays that really well. And it's strange because it's from the seventies. Well, it's not strange because it's from the seventies because everyone was in hot, everyone was high, but, <laughs> but like the Holy mountain is like what I point <laughs> to for a lot of people of like, by the end of that movie, you you don't even recognize that the people are naked because it, you're so desensitized to the fact because everyone's naked in essentially every scene. 
Listen, and the, reason, can, like, the reason yeah. why I don't recognize people are naked is because there's so much other craziness going on on the scene yeah. at the same time. Because someone's <laughs> fucking stark naked just, like, fucking eating an entire cake. <laughs> or eating Jesus's face. Like, it's just, like, none of it makes any it's crazy. sense. It's so crazy. But it just, like, makes you kind of, like, it, it takes, it, and also considering the, the first scene is a enlightenment ritual where the, he, like, the, the director rips off the, the, he has two girls i don't know if you've seen it david <laughs> um it's very good film i i highly recommend it we probably shouldn't go into uh, it to be honest <laughs> we won't i won't go too far but just like the first film or the, the first scene of the film is the director uh he has two women in front of him heavily makeup in nice outfits nice jewelry nice hair and he rips their clothes off takes off their makeup shaves their head yeah. and it's act and it seems really weird but it's actually like an enlightenment ritual where he says like where basically the idea of the tenant of it is that like everything you're doing right now is trying to present who you aren't to the world and, and this is who you ritual, are Reese. Yeah. you know what you described to me though just looking at it from cults a... yeah exactly yeah, yeah. 100%. no but I, I i i see that scene and a lot of people give probably names too though no but a lot a lot of people probably could watch that scene and think, ooh, look, naked girls. But I genuinely watch that scene and just go like, fuck, why do I own suits? Like, I should just fucking shave my head and go <laughs> in the wilderness and like... Right. Well, all right. Well, I think... Um... But yeah, that's that's I how I feel about what... that scene. I feel like okay, it's mostly yeah. character development for her. The scene is about her and our character, mm -hmm. uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he isn't really too out of character in the fact that he's obliging he's doing what she wants him to do yeah. because he's never let her down you know i can see what you're saying yeah. and it goes to like the concept of the the protagonist in a noir film doesn't have any agency he's just doing what kind of falls on him yeah yeah he's doing his but job. at the same yeah. time it still felt it just felt for me it, it and the same I, I think dave's saying the same it just felt out of left field it felt kind of unnecessary it felt like it just made me feel like uh, what's going on here? Like this yeah, feels yeah, kind of yeah. wrong. I mean, I get what yeah. you mean. It is he could have he could have just forgiven her. You know, yeah, I mean, they didn't like said that she didn't need to be punished. They know? didn't need the scene. Yeah, it, it does feel out of left field, but because the scene exists, because it's there, that's what I feel they were actually trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, as Dave is saying, like mm -hmm. it's not in the script. It was done on the on the day, maybe, or like you know, it was decided. Yeah. But even then, it still passed editing room. Yeah, and that's where exactly. it's like, okay, well, something also, has like, to be here. Maybe the thing I noticed also about this. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, that was the end of my sentence. The thing I noticed watching it this time is also that's one I, I you kind of forget because again, it's a boring scene in a lot of ways. But that's a that's a that's a long take. And yeah, when she hands him yeah, the joint, it is the cig It goes out, <laughs> and it he can't really relight long. it because they're doing this long take, and he can't reach <laughs> yeah. over for a cigarette, um, for a cigarette lighter. That is a long um, scene. Yeah. It is, yeah. Like it was I do, I, I've always enjoyed Paul Thomas Anderson for his blocking and like how he does it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many. Like, there, there's early on the scene where it first shows him in the dentist's office, and he's like, right. it's just this really wide shot of like these this doctor talk, like consoling patients while he's talking to people. And I was like, any other movie, this would have just been shot reverse shot, right? Yeah. And but because it's PCA, because he, I feel like he understands how movies work to a degree that most people don't he understands that yeah. you can't have this big shot where hey, at guys. the end of the day they're having a boring conversation but you what? need like the foreground makes it interesting sorry marcus what yeah. were you saying uh i gotta go guys yep okay all Hold right on.
before you do man. go, good to hear from before you. you do go, what? it is your turn to choose a film. Do you have a film to choose? Uh, yeah. Remember, I wanted to watch Isle of Dog. Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dog. Okay, cool. We'll watch Isle of Dog next yeah. week. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry for you, making it go Take so it long, man. Yeah, man. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. Um, since uh, let me just say because this is one thing I definitely wanted to say. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite shot in the movie? I don't, I don't, because, I definitely do, but I'm just trying to remember what it was. Because I actually find that, especially compared to like Boogie Nights and Magnolia, PTA yeah. has managed to take those skills of blocking and long takes, but mm-hmm. integrate them in a seamless way. So you don't even really yeah. notice them anymore. Like they just happen. And then I notice them in the sense that I'm like, like a minute and a half. So good, good. And so my favorite one, my favorite shot in the whole movie is when he's walking her back to the car at the very beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. out to the sidewalk and it's this long he starts in the behind he goes up behind it he gets in the car he drives away and then one of my favorite things that happens in this movie is the light color on his face will change mm-hmm. in different shots and it goes from this like it his face turns bright red before the um before the title card and then he walks back with that dude and goes down the alley and the yeah. like I, I read about the production. He went to Manhattan Beach. With I don't know if you've been to Manhattan Beach, but that those yeah. that city has like these extremely tight city blocks. And the fact that he managed to like get a whole crew in there and do a long take, like not just do like yeah. some multi coverage shit. I'm just like God, man. Like, oh, I'm gonna watch every movie you make till you die. Like I, yeah. I you know what I mean? Like I'm just but like at the end of the day, incredible. he's one of those directors where even though this movie isn't something that maybe I'd really jive with and really like. Go. I, I'm, I'm not gonna I, like I might watch this movie again but it's not gonna be my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film like there's there's right. other films that I'll rewatch of his like I said especially this kind of combo PTA and Walking Phoenix I'd probably revisit the master more than this but that's because mm-hmm. I really I really do like the master I like the commentary he makes about cults as well as just Scientology in general and like right. um, like just just kind of this helpless like it, it, it almost takes I almost like it because it takes like uh, a slightly similar. It t- it takes the same angle that I feel like Fight Club does, but leaves no path for like people who think that Fight Club is actually like about how Tyler Durden's really cool. <laughs> right. Like it, it right, leaves yeah, the, only the path of just like no, this is really messed up. This person is taking advantage of someone who has nothing. And has nothing else, yeah. to, like no nowhere else to go, no family, no people who he can like confide in, and it's just it's it's forcing this person to to come into this world. Like it, it's you know, it it does a really good job of that. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. That's no, okay. I I think that honestly, I don't know that I love PTA when he's not being funny. <laughs> okay, I, I, and I don't I don't I don't mean that in a bad way, but I think mm-hmm. I think the only PTA movie that is not that doesn't have an inherent humor about it is that mm-hmm. I like is there will be blood. And yeah. to be honest, like that's why I like boogie nights. That's why I like Magnolia. That's why I mm-hmm. like, um, uh, what's the Adam said punch drunk love. That's why I like this movie. I find his sense of humor. One, he can convey it through shots, which is its own kind of mastery. The fact that he can do that through without just dialogue, but then yeah. two, he doesn't, almost all of his jokes in all of these movies are not, they don't draw attention to themselves. They just are. And they're things that you notice yeah. about characters and about settings and stuff. And to me, when I watch The Master or when I watched Phantom Thread, 
I just got the sense that those that he was suppressing that, not yeah. necessarily to. He was still using humor. He was still like juxtaposing things. He was still revealing yeah. character. But it was like the toast buttering thing in Phantom Thread. I think that you could argue that that is like a little detail <laughs> that could be yeah. spun into humor if it were set in a different place with different characters. Mm-hmm. But to me, yeah, I think one of the things that does attract me to him besides you know his 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 cinematography is is his sense of humor. And when it's not present, I find it makes move his movies a bit of a slog for me. Like like I just think it's like. I can't really put I can't really put it any better than that. That's just kind of how I how I feel about it. And I I wonder if that's like a limiting thing in general. If it's just my taste, you know. But um, I do kind of feel that way. Where it's almost like it's almost like he's given us eighty percent, and he could be giving a hundred. You know, if he had done something different, if he'd taken on a different story or told it in a different way. So with this one, it felt like his most outright attempts to be funny. You know what I mean? In terms of writing this, and also yeah. partly because of the book too, but. Um, uh, to be honest, for me, like it, maybe it maybe it's just my taste in films. Like his more serious films are the ones that I enjoy. But I think in general, I prefer okay. more serious. Oh, Marcus is back. Yeah. Are you recording all yourself? Right. Yeah. I'm the return. Oh, sweet. Sorry, There's all three like of us two. again. <laughs> You're gonna get like two fucking recordings. <laughs> that's fine. No, that's fine. I I, I can. Right. The the at the end of the day, when we end recording, is an also easy way to to match things up. Um. Yeah. You know what I didn't do? I didn't give my rating or, or anything. You didn't give your rating. Yeah. You I was gonna say. So, yeah. Please do. Please oh, do. Wait. Yeah. Also, um, and I, I don't oh, yeah, actually hold on. Yeah, sorry. You you finish, Dave, and then I'll ask you my question. I was just gonna say, did Reese give like his general thoughts at at any point? Do still <laughs> need that? If not, then forget. No. But Reese did not. Okay, before right. we do, give your, before give your that we run out of any time, because this might go for a while. I, I apologize if it does. If anybody needs to go, I said we can end, but I'm actually having a really good time. <laughs> no, no, all me right. too. Yeah. I just, cool. uh, good. my wife good. needed me and I kind of messed up on that, so it's all right. I can continue. It, is everything fine? Are you, are you, are you fine? To well, I mean, it's now? already done, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, well, I, I mean, to be, to be 100% honest, I'm missing dinner, but at this point, it's, it's fine. Reese, you have wine. You don't need dinner. That's true. I don't need the fantastic curry that I can smell from up here at this point. So Ooh, really good. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's no, really good. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're gonna go that much longer. I think I think we're already kind of wrapping up. I just wanted to make sure, Reese, that if you did have some kind of like overall yeah. thesis that you were able to say it because okay. uh, I know that I, I, I opened to the big yeah. thing and Marcos. Before Marcos we get into his. that, I want to hear ratings, starting with Dave. Because in uh, yeah, just because I want to, okay. because you've kind of you, okay. you were the one who we'll do said like we'll do like oh, we'll do like closing most, arguments so. in general. How about yeah. that? And then we'll okay. go, go yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, so I'll start. Is, is out of ten? Yeah, yeah, out of ten. Out of ten. Yeah, out of ten. Okay. Well, like I said, I've said it before. This movie is not for everybody, and I know that. But to mm. me, like like I also said, it hits such specific pleasure centers for me, both in terms of its complexity, its humor, its setting, its uh, the era, frankly, like how much you have to know yeah. about like '60s versions of the count of the counterculture, of the straight world, of of music, you know, of movies, of um, of psychiatric help, of drug use, you know what I mean, of crime. Yeah. Like I just love that hyper specificity that it feels like it was made for me in a lot of ways um i also think that the like i think marcos said the otherwise but i think i can't think of a weak link in this entire movie i, I think every <laughs> actor 
fucking brought it. I love Benicio del Toro as oh, um, he doesn't he really good job in this film. Uh, Sancho, the the what's his name, the guy who was Tom, Hunter S. Thompson's lawyer. He was like a yes, he's like a motif Sancho. of that. Yeah, exactly. I thought he was great. Um, I thought I he loved... was he, he almost like did this weird thing of like uh, Benicio del Toro like did this weird thing of uh, and he kind of does this in every role. I feel like where he's almost so natural that I'm like paying attention. Like it's the opposite of like yeah. Of, of like blending into the background like he's so natural that i'm like is he acting or did they just like it did he show up on set like he just feels yeah he's kind of he's very like blase a little bit yeah and, and some and a lot of times i think to his benefit he plays these characters that often benefit from a sense of distance from yeah from what they're saying i kind of like that um but yeah he killed it joanna newsom catherine waters and jenna Malone. like the guy who played dennis that like stoner guy that he walks around with. i love that character yeah. too like I can't think just of like, I can't drive. And he's like, why didn't you say that? <laughs> Even Michael K. Williams in that one little scene, yeah. just like, I don't know if you guys realize, but like, there's a part where he offers him a cigarette and yeah. he says no. And he says no because he's a, he's a, he's a Muslim and he, they don't smoke. And so it's like, it's such a nice little detail in there oh, that it's right. just like, yeah. I love stuff like that. Anyway. Um, so acting wise, I love, and even Owen Wilson, who I thought was the weakest link originally. He's he's the, acting, I, in my opinion, he's the weakest link of the film. But you know what? I think if you watch it again, it it makes a little more sense. Like, I think if you yeah. understand his character better, yeah, I actually think he's he's kind of. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm making excuses. I'll, I'll be honest. When movie. I when I watched when every scene he was in, I felt like I accidentally got like they just spliced a scene from Darjeeling Limited that got cut. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I. Yeah, I could. Yeah, maybe I just like it. Maybe it went from it. Paul Thomas <laughs> Anderson to Wes Anderson. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but I. But so yeah. So I clearly love this movie. But in terms of a rating, I think I'll give it. I think to be honest, I will give it a six point five, and I think that's like okay. very good for what it is. Like I, I, yeah. like I said, cannot blame anybody for not liking it, and it does have things that. Bo- oh, also, no, I need to say this. One thing that I definitely ha- kind of have a problem with that I feel like is definitely preventable that did not need to happen. Why was that Latina housekeeper like just like this like sex object for five minutes? Like why did that happen? I have no idea. Oh, yeah. I yeah. thought it was kind of weird. Um, I found it a little problematic that it was like this like Latina housekeeper that wants to fuck everybody. Yeah. I don't know why. I just felt like it, that to me was completely unnecessary, and I didn't really it, love. Yeah, it, it felt, I felt unnecessary. Like, I felt like it, it worked. Like, it would have felt, like, the same way that Jade would have felt unnecessary unless she kept showing up. Like, at, yeah, at first exactly. I was like, this feels really yeah, exactly. weird. And then she kept showing exactly. up. I was like, ah, oh, she's a character. It's I awesome. really like and, Jade. <laughs> yeah. And I to me, too. honestly, it, it talks about this tension. And this is, again, one of my problems with this movie is it's the 1960s, right? Mm-hmm. We're not in the 1960s. Meaning you don't have to replicate every detail of sexual uh, free quote-unquote freedom that was happening back then because a lot of it in hindsight was misogynistic and mostly based yeah. on male versions of sexuality and that's yeah. you know that was its own it's development the, uh, i'm sure i'm sure there were plenty of women who in, felt that it was being the... sexually liberated but yeah. i don't know that that's something that was necessary to preserve you know yeah. kind of the same it's... way there's a moment in where jade drops off a poster to the secretary who actually that's a nice uh cameo from maya rudolph there uh yeah. as the secretary in the office and she says, uh, uh, a cute little oriental cutie. And I was like, look, I know they said oriental in the 60s. I get it. But mm-hmm. if you had said Asian, the movie would not have suffered at all. You know what I mean? Like, like I, that's the kind of thing where I just think it's almost like, and I don't want to blame PTA, but I have a feeling that white 
40 year old dudes are more susceptible to that kind of thing of just like not yeah. even thinking about it than uh, other directors you so know I my, my only thing about that where i'll defend them saying oriental I, is I just like they said oriental <laughs> no no it's not that i like it it's just that like the 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 problem with terminology and like what's offensive to what is like is it like i find it confusing as someone who lives in the in the uk now as people from india and pakistan are referred to as asians even though in reality it is like, oh yeah they are yeah, but like if you said that in america it would make it would make no sense it would make no tracking sense like in terms of terminology i, I feel know, like makes in that sense like, to me it's like they live in asia <laughs> yeah but at the same time like they like in terms of the term for me yeah it's not typically like, used it's not typically used and in fact in, in reality yeah. in indo like uh like in like that area the indian subcontinent is far more connected because of the himalayas and the ability to not cross them is far more connected to europe than they are to anywhere else in the world so it makes sense that's why or do you think it's like colonization i mean I don't know, Reese. This feels no, it, it is. So, it is. It, it's the reason why there's a, like the large language family of Europe is called Indo-European. It's because the language was able, like the base European language, spread all the way to Norway as it did to India, because that because the ability to get to those areas was a lot easier. But getting to the Himalayas, you went well. That's fucking a lot. So I'm gonna not. Wait. So what? So what does that have to do with the with the Oriental thing though in the movie? Yeah. Because like, I. I just no, I just like... I just feel like the terminology doesn't really bother me in terms of like I feel like terminology in terms of where where you come from is just gonna differ. So here's why I, I like. Well, I just my. Go ahead. All right. Cool. Uh, the reason why I like terminology and language, the use of language in period films, is because it gives you immersion. Had they used modern language it would kind of take me out of it. Yeah. Listening to them here, or listening to them say these things, like even when he was watching that detective, yeah, the, the, the suspects are two Negro men who uh, beat up whatever, you know, like the term, that's the terminology, yeah. you know? It's like the, when Samuel but Jackson it's... talked about um, Django Unchained, yeah. and he said that Tarantino came to him and said, did I use the N-word too many times? And he said, the only time you fucked up is by asking me that question. Yeah, because then you know it's I wrong. Yeah. I guess. I, I just think that you know, to me, again, it kind of goes back to who's making it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that it's sort of the thing where, and, and kind of goes back to also the Chicana housekeeper, where it's like, mm -hmm. I know that a Chicana person is not owning this identity. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know it's a role played by a, a Chicana person, yeah. but yeah. that to me is sort of like the gap of like, yeah. I would rather have a sort of, again, I don't think it would have altered the film at all. You know what I mean? And I also yeah, think no, that, that that was gratuitous. It's sort of, yeah, it's just sort of like there's already a lot of capitulation between any story that's happening. You <laughs> know what I mean? Where you have to make decisions about what do I hew to? What do I change? You know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, it just feels like if you're being, if you're conscious of that kind of thing, of the history of terms like that, then yeah. you'll realize that there isn't really a drop in quality, at least in how I feel. Yeah. And it also spares sort of the feeling of like me having to watch this be like, why is that in there? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't, again, if it's not improving anything, I don't really see why it's there. And I don't really see an argument from anybody who has that identity of like, why 
it should be in the, you know i don't know well here's yeah. so here's no i can hold on just just very quickly i can kind of see like as much as i i still stand by what i said but like i can kind of see dave's point of view of two things in the sense that um like it it, it comes down when we're making a film when when you're making a film when anybody's making a film it it doesn't matter like i get upset when people are like oh it doesn't it's not historically accurate this outfit wouldn't be right or this is this and it's like that doesn't matter what we're trying to do is is film language and operate under film language does it matter yeah does it need to be a part of the story does it need to do this does it serve anything this that and the other because at the end of the day it's that's all a little fake. important you know what yeah I mean? at the, yeah. the end of the day it's all fake it's all to convey a story that you're trying to convey um yeah. but at the same time I, I still feel like i feel like uh, as of recent there there's a certain like like this 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 put upon of for for words and how it and how they they translate at not taking into account that anywhere else in the world outside of like maybe america those words mean nothing <laughs> like right. and to people even that of the groups that you're talking about in those areas they mean nothing like it's just this kind of hyper focus on what america thinks is good and right um but at the same time again to your defense dave like all of this coming from in a movie directed by a 50 year old 60 year old white guy who like literally <laughs> like 60 years old ah, he's he's yeah he's not 60 years old but like this you're dude right, who, you're right. like older as much as kid. as much as phantom thread feels like this is the world that even, he actually inhibit it like lives in I, I i almost feel like if he had even just asked the question like i i yeah. doubt he even did and that's kind of my thing yeah. it's like i think yeah you could make an argument you know what i mean like sure like you want to be period specific you know you want to you know yeah. Maybe that's even like uh, like uh, black people call themselves Negroes. Like that was again, it was a term. But yeah, that's kind of the question. Kind of the same thing with the Catherine Watterson scene. It brings up the question of who is making what decisions. Yeah, and I guess it's just sort of a thing of like, again, it didn't make or break anything. It could have been right. different. It couldn't have been there. You know what I mean? And it, the movie wouldn't have suffered. And so anyway, let me. But, <laughs> I gave my rating. So I think, hold on, hold on, hold on. Real Somebody quick, else talk. I think it would have. So, okay, yeah, you're saying, you know, it didn't need to be there. But I think the movie, starting from the beginning, is almost like a caricature of the time. Because yeah. everything is so dramatic. The police brutality, the the amount of hatred that we see these cops. We almost see the police force yeah. as this type of villain. Because mm -hmm. we look at them, how they're looking at our, our hippie character. Mm -hmm. And right. then we have the hypersexualization and how it's literally in every inch of the film. Yeah. Yeah. So you're having like I said it's just I mean, honest, if it was 15 bucks was... to fucking get a blowjob anywhere like I'd be like Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Where's the where's so the discount? Like, I'm like what's going on? Yeah, so it's just like this this hyper exaggeration of the time uh, mm. to what people kind of see this period as is just turn it up to 11 and yeah. that's what they've all been. And so that's why we have these like slutty, you know, the Mexican, the fucking uh, house made cleaner or whatever, and then we have all these right. people who are just—it's just everything's extreme, dialed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing that's get... not dialed up is pretty much our main character, who's <laughs> <laughs> right. just kind of floating through this extreme world he lives in. Yeah. Okay, so 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 not not to cut you off, Dave, but you've said that it's no, a six point five. Marcos, what's oh, your yes. score out of ten? You know, I give it a, I give it a seven. I give it a seven. Okay. Just because wow. like. I didn't. I didn't hate it. 
I had a decent time watching it. It made me laugh on those times. Um, it was just hard to follow. Yeah. But uh, it kept me thinking. You know, it kept me engaged because I was like, "All right, well, this is a mystery. I want to, I want to find out." And then as these things slowly start to resolve, uh, at one point, I was like, "Okay, so if if the girl he's trying to resolve this whole thing for is just gone now, like." what's his motive so yeah. i kind of lost that but then he picked up a new one with owen wilson's character who i actually liked owen wilson's character i heard you guys talking yeah. about it um but uh to me i liked owen's owen wilson's character he didn't i uh, did too didn't feel like he was too owen wilson you know what i mean toward the end i i dug him but like especially yeah. the party scene like i i just felt like yeah. it, like i said it felt like it felt like a wes that anderson felt... scene out of nowhere that was another bore yeah. that was another scene that was very boring if you don't know what's yeah. going on yeah but yeah, um, so then there was that. There was this. Weird... Like, why was Jade even there? Like, it, it didn't cut. Like, have a purpose. Like, he just walks in. Jade's no, they there, expl- and she's like, "Hi." Yeah, and he's like, "Okay." And then yeah, he just continues you know on. She, with the she story. does explain it, and it does make sense. Yeah, and it, it is funny if you if you catch it, but it is like yeah. out of nowhere. It seems like a yeah. movie. Yeah, I just liked seeing her. <laughs> <I think laughs> she was I fun. Her, like, like, like the more she showed up yeah. in the film, I was like, "Oh, look, she's there again." Like, yeah, yeah, I like this whole beware the golden fang and like all that stupid bullshit. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed her character. Um, but yeah, she was just fun, you know. She was she was enjoyable. Yeah, she was involved in some stuff, but for the most part, she was she was chill. She was like yeah, the only one chill. who wasn't really uh, a crazy. She's kind of like Dennis. <laughs> she was like she was like just a, an associate, you know. Yeah, and yeah. she kind of like saw the crazy shit that was going to go down, and she moved herself away from it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, she she kept distance. That's why she was like, "Hey, I don't like this place. Let's get out of here." Yeah. So I like your character, but um, yeah. So I mean, he found that purpose in terms of like getting him back to his family, which I thought was neat. And he just so happened to be literally the only guy who can do it, because mm-hmm. uh, he had that special connection with that lawyer for that girl who was seeing that dentist, and everything's connected <laughs> like a weird spider web in this movie. Yeah, but uh, and the fact yeah, that so, he uh, he looks him up and his wife looks him up, and then he ends up like representing them both but he can't tell them about each other because of like confidentiality like i love that i love that tension and uh, yeah that was cool but um i didn't really feel that as tension but it did it was a nice element of like him being like i could tell him that i already know they're fine but i uh like i try not to get mixed up in marital affairs (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. you know what i felt like this could have been i felt like this could have been like a whole fucking show but condensed into because there was just so dear god no (laughs) this would have been a fucking 10 episode netflix show where like five episodes in i would have been like nah i'm tired of this shit no no i'm not saying it would have been good but i feel like like there was so much to it that it could have been stretched over the course of like a couple episodes yeah oh my gosh i I could see that give me a sec oh what what? is everything over here i don't know well, I don't know. we fill the air? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> just a blood curdling scream. <laughs> <Just coming back. laughs> okay. Am I right there? <laughs> yeah, just fucking. My wife decided to start fucking mowing the lawn for some reason. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's a big lawn, man. Um, why, big lawn, white picket fence. very small. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I'm so, really glad. I used to have a place with a lawn. And like that was just not fun, but uh, now I uh, don't, so it's great. Like, no, no, now I have a place yeah. where my my roommate is really into plants, and he won't let me weed the backyard because he says it'll hurt the plants. Yeah, don't hurt the plants, Reese. Anyways, yeah, I give it a seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, 
just because I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's very much so a different movie when compared to The Phantom Thread. Yeah. Uh, it still felt me... kind of Paul Thomas Anderson mm-hmm. at times. It definitely felt. Like, you felt like it was definitely his film, but it definitely felt different than, as da- Dave and I kind of talked about when you were gone, of like, mm-hmm. this is not the kind of Paul Thomas Anderson film that I enjoy. I enjoy his yeah. more serious films, like There Will Be Blood and Phantom Thread oh, and things like that, like... Whereas David said he kind of I feel the complete opposite. Yeah, I like I like Magnolia. I like Boogie Nights. I like um, Punch Drunk Love. To me, those are like the reason why I love him so much. Are those types of movies? So yeah. Um, But it's but it frankly it's cool. He has range. You know, it's great. This definitely this was a movie where I just went, oh look, this guy's got a lot of range. And Mm -hmm. hey, when I watched There Will Be Blood, I mean that's undisputedly just a masterpiece. I mean that's just like unquestionably yeah. yeah. So Reese, you're up, I think. Right? Uh, so I think I feel like it's really strange considering Marcos and I have said so much kind of against the film mm-hmm. that I'm also going to say that it's a seven out of ten for me, and you gave it a six point five. <laughs> you know what? It makes perfect sense actually because I do love it. Like I will talk about it endlessly, but I yeah. I also think like there are things that like yeah I acknowledge there's flaws in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So. It's a it's a really low seven. Like. I think yeah, I, I think that list. like the it's it's a seven point one at best for me. Right. Like it, it really is sitting on that on that edge. But if I it like when I finished the film and I was staring at that IMDb page and just ready to rate it, I was like six just feels like I'm un, I'm really underselling it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, six feels too low to me. So I would definitely go with seven. Um, yeah, yeah, for probably around the same reasons. Yeah, right. it definitely it just yeah. There's a lot I really appreciate about the film. It's it's something that I again would maybe watch again to just have that full understanding of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but after two viewings, I think I probably wouldn't watch it again. Whereas like, yeah, like <laughs> other all like the master again. I've watched that movie like three or four times. Like I, I'm just willing to watch that movie so many times because it's just mm-hmm. it's a it's a really powerful film for me. But again, that's maybe just what I'm trying to get from films as opposed to what you're getting yeah. from films, Dave. I think also, like, one thing, and I know, I, I think I might have touched on this at some point, but the thing that is, like, the most interesting to me is, like, the decision of what kind of life do you want to live? Do you want to live a straight yeah. life or a, or a or a hippie life? Because at a certain point, they're incompatible with each other. And yeah. as much as we may say, and especially now looking back on it, you know what I mean? Like, as somebody alive in the 21st century, like there are give and takes to both you know what i mean you have security yeah. you have stability you have uh you know money if you're living this year but you do a lot of compromises to get it and yeah. you end up hurting people you end up hurting innocent people and screwing over positive change and but at the same time becoming... i think the film presents this kind of idea that there really isn't an option because even somebody like the martin short character yeah Who's like, no, absolutely. He's, he's absolutely. very firmly seems like he's it. He's got this huge fucking office. He's got a receptionist. He's got all this shit. And yet at the same time, he's just fucking snorting drugs like everybody else. Well, that's like, that's the other thing is that it's also very hypocritical. Whereas yeah. at least Doc and all the people he hangs out with, they're honest about the fact that they don't like uh, certain things about life, that they want to get high, yeah. that they want to, you know, um, spend their time. That guy who the, there's that, clubs, there's that guy who he meets at the beginning um uh, the, the fuck the guy who shows up at his as dentist office at the beginning and gives him the tip about uh like the guy he was in he was in jail with and like he yeah. he points out the hypocrisy he was like so you did a deal with the fucking Aryan gang 
Yeah. yeah. And he was like, well, we, we both have the same view too. about politically. Polit- yeah. Like we both we have the we same sh- opinions about the government. Some- we found some. We found, we found we had some similar views about the U.S. government. Yeah. Well, so it's it. almost like they're, they're so both funny. they're both in this like hippie lifestyle of like fuck the government, but at the same mm-hmm. time they're so like uh, like and and like antithetical to the, to each other. Yeah. Well, also, and this is my I I don't I know we're oh God we're going almost three hours. Jesus, this is the final like thing I need to bring up. My one okay. of my most like, and I don't even think I saw this to like the third because again that last like half hour is very boring. Yeah. But it's when he goes to dinner with that guy to get the drugs to get them their mm-hmm. drugs back, and he go, wears the tie. I think that the thesis of the movie, like one of the defining bits, is where he goes, "You don't want any money," and he goes. How much money would I have to ask in order to gain your respect? Yeah. And he said, or to keep your respect. And he goes, So Spartello, people like you lose all claim to respect the minute you pay someone rent. And mm. mm-hmm. it ta- it illustrates to me the perfect double bind. You cannot escape it. There mm-hmm. capitalism, uh, institutionalism, like all these things that are the antithesis of the hippie counterculture lifestyle, of even just yeah. a radical lifestyle, not even tied to not even tied to era. Just like yeah, yeah. of a radical, you know, uh, progressive lifestyle, you will always, always be living a certain amount of hypocrisy, even in that life. Even if you're like Doc and you do all these good things and you are very upfront with what you want to do and you smoke weed all the time and you live like a true countercultural life, there is no escape. Because in the end, the straight world has the power and they are not going to give it up easy. And if you want to have any sort of life for yourself, you have to, at the very least, engage with it. And once you do, your ideals have been betrayed. Like, there is yeah, no yeah. real middle ground. There is no easy way to become, you know... It, it's about the compromises we all make, even though, you know, especially for people who are, like, progressive, who want social change, who believe in, you know, radical action or whatever. Yeah. At the core of it, it's sort of like that that cartoon that goes around where people are like, we should improve society somewhat, and then the guy's like... But you're, but you participate in society. How interesting! It's like you're <laughs> always, you're always in that bind, always, yeah. and you cannot really escape from it. All we can do is hope for incremental change and be around people that we that make us happy. You know what I mean? Which he does. You know, he has friends. He has he solves cases. Like he has a job. Like you know, he has a life for himself. But at the core of it, that tension, that hypocrisy, will always be there. And I, yeah. I, ugh, I love that scene in that movie. It's such a perfect little bit of dialogue. Um, it was, yeah, that's good. So yeah, I had to, I had to get that in there before we done, before we're done. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Well, you know, how about this? Like, do you of... guys regret you? You don't regret watching it? No, 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 no. It's been on my list for fucking seven years now. So, oh, I'm trying to think well, of a film I did regret watching. Oh, I know which one I regret yeah, watching. Good. It's a little movie called Areola Fifty One. Don't watch it. I thought you were going to mention a film that I've asked you to watch. I thought you were going to be like, I know a film that I regret, Masculine Feminine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't regret watching that, actually. Yeah. Um, I regret watching was, uh, Better Watch Out, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was... But, um, <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, what, what you just said kind of reminds me of... Um, have you ever seen SLC Punk? Um, no, but I've heard about it. That's the Salt Lake City thing. Uh, the Salt Lake City thing. I don't know. It's been a, been a, been a while, but it's you know kind of reminds I me thought... of that, that what you were just saying though about because uh, these guys were punk rock, right? These guys were punkers. They lived that lifestyle very hardcore. It was all like anarchy and whatnot. Well, right. In the end, he ends up becoming just like you know a fucking dad who's wearing his suits, going 
working every day and <laughs> just being right. you know, part of the establishment. Yeah. What, yeah. And then, um, and it, not to get all heady, but the, the writer um, Ellen Willis was the first pop music critic at the New Yorker in the 60s. Okay. And mm-hmm. she, she, she was also like a feminist writer, you know, the, over mm-hmm. time. And she wrote this yeah. article in the 80s about how she was like a radical feminist in the 60s. And there was this thing they would all say where it was like, we're fighting to make a better world for our daughters, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, she that. now she's in her 80s and she's like a professor and she's like, you know, got a job and a kid and everything. She's like, you know what I realized? I wasn't doing it for them. I wanted my life to be better. I wanted to live like a different reality. Yeah. I didn't want and I don't yeah. get to have it. I don't get it because yeah. because life doesn't let you have it. You know, you can make change. Yeah. You can make change for the future. But your life, you're kind of stuck where you are. And so that's, oh, yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that bit. Oh. To, to sideline any of the uh, Joss Whedon talk that might come up from discussing it, it's it's one of, like, the <laughs> best parts of, like, Serenity of the Film, of, like, uh-huh. the, the antagonist of the film is this person who works, like, kind of for the government. And he was, like... Uh, like and, and there's a scene in the film where he's where where Malcolm is like say, talking to him and he's and he's saying like like you're not gonna get this world that you want and he goes and he and the thing that makes him such a powerful antagonist is he goes uh, it's I'm not making a world for me like I'm making a world for everyone else and that's what makes him so almost dangerous is like right. obviously his his point of view of like this super authoritarian government that that is in Firefly is like bad but like to have like i think it's one of the things that's just kind of in a strange way necessary for a lot of movements is to have someone who's willing to die for the cause like as much as people you know rightly demonize che guevara the the last words of him being shoot man shoot me you'll only be killing a man the the like the idea will live forever or like oh, the cause will live forever. Like yeah. that's that's yeah, a any sort of radical dangerous. thing needs people like that. That's really like yeah. the kickoff that gets people to really you know you got to be martyred. You know you got to have that yeah. element of that. You know? uh-huh. um, I don't feel bad calling him Josh Wheaton anymore. See, I definitely like, think I think there's because like and it's definitely been my opinion of like when I was younger and everyone was like Buffy's really progressive really feminist this 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 and I was like I just never thought that I was uh, just felt like it was a really human story um, mm-hmm. and like especially now with all the things that's come out like recently of, uh, there's been a lot of people who were just like he didn't make a feminist show he made he had an idea that was accidentally feminist and I was like yeah, yeah I think I think that's 100% what it is that, fe- that feels more accurate to me because yeah. I've watched very little but what I have watched doesn't feel exactly feminist well like his yeah. whole idea was he said also, he, watched, it could be... he watched a horror film and he said that he saw the the blonde girl running away from danger and he said how crazy would it be if she just fucking like killed them like that would be like the the craziest thing and like that was his idea for buffy was get the the pretty blonde girl who just fucking beats the shit out of everybody like and so yeah. it's, it's it is you can you can hear that story and go that's accidentally feminist mm-hmm. but at the same time i, I, I do i do like I, I've I've watched a lot of things of people who are are like um, there's a really good channel uh, called the passion the passionate nerd or the passion of the nerd or something like that and he dissects episodes of Buffy and Angel and, and Firefly yeah and he it recently just said obviously uh, I'm just gonna pin you to this person this this woman who has a lot better opinions than I can divulge about the topic right. about what's coming out right now and she just kind of said like. At the end of the day, 
like there's so many people who worked on Buffy. There's so many people who worked on Angel, and it's such it's it, as much as he is kind of a like. There, there's a whole lot of things that I could say about what's going on with the Joss Whedon thing, but I at the end of the day, the show. On. Oh, um, so Charisma Car- Carpenter came out for like the fifth time. <laughs> that's the thing that's kind of like really weird. Is like it's 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 not like this is new information. Like Charisma Carpenter, yeah. basically, who played, um, uh, fucking. Uh, character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the fucking character's name. She's fucking in both shows. It. Jesus. Whatever. Anyhow, she's on the show. Uh, yeah. It's okay. She's in the show, yeah. and and basically, like, she said that uh, Joss was like super rude, like rude to her during the final seasons of Angel, where yeah. he was really rude to her about her weight got... because she was pregnant. Um, like, and and fired her because of the fact that he didn't want her on the show because she was pregnant. But it's like mm-hmm. it was it was already well established, like. Like Willow, Willow and Buffy being gay was only gay because the actress Sarah Michelle Gellar said that she didn't want to do it. Like he yeah. wanted to watch two girls make out, and the main character of his show said no, so he didn't. He had another character do it. Like yeah. it's just like, like that was that me, was known like, when the show was coming out. Like yeah, it's it's just a lot of like God, it's just like it's somebody on a power trip who needs yeah. who like. And, and obviously it's like he's a man so it's a lot of misogyny also yeah. but it's like the sort of thing where you feel like you're untouchable and you have a lot of control over other people's lives and you just kind of lean into that in a really kind of sick way yeah. and that to me is like what's so fucked up about this is like people like you know i, I don't know what yeah. your specific the- themes are but if you want to rise to the top of anything right mm-hmm. that's what's so sad is like do you have to just be a vindictive asshole like you just have yeah. to be somebody who like is so obsessed with success or with, um, you know, creation that you're willing yeah. to like compromise other people and their well-being and their health and their and their yeah. and their um, dignity. You know what I mean? And it's well, that's, just the, like... that's the thing is like it, it's it, if every time this comes up, I think about there, I think there's a fine line, and it's a difficult line because like at the end of the day, Stanley Kubrick made like consistently amazing films, but the right. way that he treated his actors was pretty shit. But at the same time, you think to yourself, but was it worth it? Was it worth what he did to Shelley Duvall? At the end of the I day, think I think was. the answer for Shelley Duvall I, is I, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, But I'm at the same a, time, I, the answer for like Malcolm McDowell is is a yes. Because Malcolm McDowell has said like, uh, when, when he was cast for Clockwork Orange, Stanley Kubrick immediately befriended him. They started going, like, hanging out every day, drinking every day, like, and, and he would divulge, like, his whole life to him and, like, all this stuff, and, like, they became inseparable people. And the second the film was done, Stanley never spoke to him again. And he realized right. that what he wanted, what he did that for was to get a playful sense of friendliness from him on set. Right. So, yeah, I think that's genius. It, it's, it's genius, but at the same time, to torture Shelley Duvall so that she looked frail upset and constantly like afraid of life on, edge. on the yeah. set of the shining you're talking is about the not yeah, i just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i just i oh, to wait, me she like spoke out about that though didn't she huh? she did yeah she, she spoke about out about that though didn't she yeah she's talked yeah. about that a lot but obviously this is this was you know he di- he died in 90 fucking nine so like you know, he yeah, was yeah, yeah but she, i thought she was totally like she understood no no she's fucking mentally no, fucking she, ruined she, from that yeah, and it, honestly, it probably tanked her career, to be honest, because she didn't. Yeah, do, it, I don't think it she tanked really her career because she got a Razzie for her. For her, she got a Razzie for the performance. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. And I think I, didn't think, I, I didn't just think, think she was that bad well, in that movie. 
No, I think she's great. You know, I think yeah. she's good. I just think that Whatever. I just think that that's a myth. A lot of times is that you have to do a certain amount of like yeah. So torture. Sorry, what, or, I, what or, I was gonna say about what I was gonna say about yeah. that is is the the Alfred Hitchcock line, which I love <laughs> and I still fully believe in. But I think it is what I was saying about the fine line of there's that there's that line. Of, I think it was on the Dick Cavett show in the seventies where he goes, uh, "You're on record saying that actors." Um, are like cattle <laughs> or should be treated like cattle. And he said, right. no, 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 that's a misquote. They should be herded like cattle. <laughs> yeah. And it's a yeah. fine no, line of like, you are a shepherd. You are, or, you know, to use a sheep analogy. To me, that's like, uh, <laughs> that to me is what makes it like, like we, the thing that sucks about entertainment is that every boss yeah. in the history of any industry has had to do that, where you're managing people, you're yeah. managing emotions, you're managing experiences. But to me, the thing that ruins it for a lot of artists and a lot of creatives and people that work yeah. in entertainment is there's like this veneer of artistic self-importance. You yeah. know what I mean? That really is really just a power trip or an ego trip yeah. or frankly a misogyny trip a lot of t- like a lot of times. You know, and it's like you don't need that to make good work. I, I, Whereas, I do not believe that. You know, um, I don't see it as an essential component because see, to me, oh, man, I always think that. <laughs> I, I just think that you can actually get an emotion. You can like to me, it's like about vulnerability, and yeah. that's what he did. Did he not? Like he he mentally played with her to the point where mm. she was extremely vulnerable, and that comes across yeah. so clear on the camera. I would say yeah. that you can get to that place of vulnerability without dragging someone's mental health into it, without yeah. you know basically like just demeaning women in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I think that especially now that we're like we've been making movies for what, like over a hundred years. Like, I don't think that we need to pretend that this is an industry that is somehow different or special or like yeah. so fundamentally different from any other workplace. You know what I mean? I think I, at the end of the day, um, there's it's the two people who I'd resort to as like what you should do as a director, as someone who's in charge of people who want to do things Well, actually three people I'd say, um, even though one of them is questionable. Um, so the first one would be David Fincher. <laughs> who like david fincher is it like even in re- not in regard for what he said but in the regard of like looking at his casting decisions he's really good at choosing people who know like who who can perform exactly what he wants like he's yeah. not asking yeah. people to do something different than what they can do he looks for people who are essentially one trick ponies of the thing that he wants the pony to do mm-hmm. and yeah, exactly. the other person would be orson wells who does say like he says <laughs> acting there's a quote of him where I'm going to mess up the quote, but uh, essentially the the idea is that uh, to be an actor is to accept roles where not that they are different from yourself, but where you can remove elements of yourself to reveal the person they want you to be. Uh Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a better way to acting of, of instead of trying to be someone else, noticing what you can bring to a role and applying it. And the last person is, is Quentin Tarantino who like again that's the person who has a little bit of problems behind him in the past um of like what he's done to to uma thurman (laughs) but um like uh, he he said that people think being a director is being good at everything but really being a director is being good at finding people who are good at other things and telling them what you want yeah and i think that's what a, a lot of the power trip that comes from a lot of directors and a lot of Hollywood is people who think that they're on they're they're omnipotent gods who are creating things. Yeah. Who are creating They think they are good at everything. 
Yeah, they, 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 they think do. that they, they are, you know. And well, don't yeah. lend themselves to to the to the <laughs> yeah. whims and and abilities of other people. See, the fact like Orson Welles was just was really good at like recognize like all the things that you Dave talked about of like what Citizen Kane is. I'm surprised this can finally come up now, but like <laughs> of like all the things that he said that he achieved were, as he said, was ignorance. He came from the stage where the director controlled every sight, and he told right. the cameraman he he found a cameraman who was like, ex- he, he accidentally found a cameraman who was excited to work with someone who'd never worked with Hollywood. Because when he said, make this happen on the screen, like he was like, no other director would ask me that. They would say, how do we do this? He would say, Orson just went, do this. And the camera would go, okay. And that's why he ended up accidentally making things is because he, he was ignorant to what people at the time thought cinema could do. Mm-hmm. And he let other people with more talent do it. Right. Makes sense. I think that's another thing, too. You got to respect people's talent. Yeah. 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 And definitely not use them as experiments, especially with them not really consenting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. You're like professionals. This is a job, it's a workplace. Like, it's like, I don't. Well, well, yes, it's a job. Yes, we're professionals, but it's also art. And there's, there's some. I would say there's definitely some lines that can be, uh, but I, I think in yeah. terms of okay, that, yeah. yeah, I think I but, think yeah. in terms of an actor's ability, the stage is where they can have that control. Yeah, but exactly. on screen is where the director needs to know what they can do. Yeah, because it, at the end of the day, when you're a director and you put actors on stage in a in a stage play, you you've told them what to do, but it's it's their it's their game at that point yeah it's their game at that point like remember when we were talking about uh who made the decisions with that sex scene it's i think it was within the actor's hands i think it was all the actors i think i think i I will say that like it's confusing i think that i think that it's kind of one of those things that where pta maybe was because i've heard him talk about actors and like my Mm -hmm. favorite like i kind of feel actually very similarly about actors where it's like he's almost like in amazement that they do that at all. Like, that's kind of how I, yeah. like, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to act. I know you guys have because you made movies, but like, if you really try acting, that is insane. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of blown away by anybody's ability to act straight through anything because I just can't yeah, do difficult. it. Like, I, it's just not something that's in my, in my wheelhouse. And so I feel yeah. like with him, he does have this, that's also, I think, why he's able to work with like Joaquin Phoenix or Daniel Day-Lewis so frequently is he is kind of just like, hey, you're the actor. What do you need? Okay, because I'm here to shoot. I have all my shit figured out. You are going to be, though, the central focus of this shot. Everything that I've put into this movie is going to be for nothing if you can't get on screen and do the th- like the magic trick that I need you to do. And so yeah. for him to... I don't see him as like a necessarily a domineering director in the sense of like, okay, this needs to happen. And then this needs... Like the Kubrick thing of like, yeah. everything needs to be exactly the way I see it. So yeah, I and also because I did read an interview with Catherine Watterson and she says like I have nothing bad to say about it. It was what it was. The scene it was, you know, something that she was comfortable with and that she knew was going to happen. Yeah. And I could see that happening. You know, I think there like I like we said there were legit reasons to include a scene like that. My thing though is like, again, how often does it happen where? I think somebody is in a position where they have to make a decision on yeah. set that could affect you, their yeah. career or could affect you their get on set, ability to everyone's continue. like there's there's 50 ca- people like there's 50 set crew hands you've got a director you've got a time schedule right. you've got budgets you've got and then they just and 
Paul Thomas Anderson goes, right, I think what, you know, I think this scene's going to work best if uh, you stay there, but he's going to flip around and he's going to fuck you from behind. And you're just there right. going, well, if I say no and I have to have this long conversation, how much I'm, I'm wasting 60 people's time. Exactly. Exactly. And so we don't know. And that's kind of my thing of like, you know, like if it were to come out that something weird was there, I wouldn't be shocked. And I would kind of have to reevaluate my thoughts on that whole moment, you know, because yeah. it would be a little more clear. It's like but, the, the scene in the movie, it, 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 all the scene, all the sex scenes in the movie Love, which I don't know if I think Marcus, I've said to him before and he hasn't seen. No, I don't um, think But like it's, it's, it's a movie with full unsimulated sex scenes. But like oh, yeah. the, the director had them film all the sex scenes first because he was like, I don't want to be halfway through the film and find out that you're not okay with it. <laughs> so he just like filmed the sex scenes first and then you know did uh like did all the other scenes afterward um but again as i mentioned before yeah i do remember i mentioned before on the podcast the fucking girl in the movie is a fucking trooper she fucking got into a car accident like two weeks before con film festival and she still showed up to con film festival with like a whole like a super fucked up face just like covered in stitches missing teeth everything and like an That's interviewer sweet. was like don't aren't you worried that this is like how you'll be remembered. You're at Con Film Festival. You're going to have images, videos, yeah. like everything taken of you. And she was like, I don't come to Con Film Festival to display myself. I come to Con Film Festival to display art. Yeah. I know. Who and asked I was like, that what question? a trooper. What a dipshit. <laughs> yeah, a dipshit. Yeah, that's who. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, man. I guess that, that's that, man. Yeah. I think, that's pretty I much think, it, yeah. guys. Yeah. I yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah thanks for thanks for having me it's been great to, it was great to have another reason to watch the movie again and yeah. um yeah it's always good talking to you guys i hope you both are doing well and taking care oh yeah yeah no, i'm, doing I'm trying <laughs> doing All great right. you have Barton's a sign like, off i'm doing great i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> do you have a sign off or is there just like we just end? we kind of just say goodbye nah. <laughs> say goodbye do you I, i'm supposed to record or? some uh if outro guys... music yeah, but like if anybody wants to follow along, we're watching Isle of Dog next week, and yeah, you know, blah, blah, which is blah, fun. Blah, um, I really enjoy that film. I think it's really cute, really fun. I'm looking forward Isle of to Dog? it. Yeah, Isle of Dog. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's me too. Yeah. I love that film. Yeah, I still have not seen Fantastic Mr. Fox though. So, uh, I mean, oh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> but like, I love that. I am so fucking ready for French <laughs> Dispatch. Like, I've been waiting at least over a year now for this movie. Yeah, I, I that trailer looked awesome. I was like yeah. so upset with when they canceled it for uh, COVID. Yeah, um, yeah. By the same time, when there was go. looser COVID restrictions, the movie that I saw was Tenet, and that just made me think that theaters should go away because that was horrible. <laughs> oh, dude, don't say that. Don't yeah, I am theaters. I like theaters. No, I like yeah, theaters, dude, but at the same me. time, like I just <laughs> felt like it, a... it was Tenet that just was like, wow. This was oh, yeah. such They're an underwhelming. They're going to need our support after this. I oh, they go really are. I'm thinking like I'm going to go to the movies every week once COVID oh, is over. Like for an ex a perfect example of fucking like if you want to give any credit to capitalism, it happened in fucking Cardiff and it's great. So everywhere else in the UK, it's like fucking like eight ten pounds for a movie ticket, but in Cardiff, one theater, one theater dropped their prices to four pounds, wow. and because of that, everywhere in Cardiff. Four pounds is the price of a ticket in, in, for a theater. Jesus, wow. and it's it's just because like literally everyone was stopping to go to every other th cinema to go to one cinema because it was the cheapest one. So everyone else was like, "Fuck, we got to lower our prices now," and they just lowered their prices. That's 
Isn't that illegal? No, that's not illegal. But no. like over here, it's a free market, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> laissez-faire, bro. Like yeah. undercutting hard work. Uh, I I've been thinking something similar is going to happen with bands and tours. Like I'm I'm yeah. I'm like people are going to be so happy to get out of the not only get out of their house but then to go see the artist they haven't seen for like a year. Like yeah, uh, Metallica is going to charge like a thousand dollars for. A ticket, so. <laughs> I'm 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 thinking there's like a there's ticket sales for I think August time over here. Um, honestly, I don't remember what the band that's headlining, but, uh, Jenny Beth is going to be in town. So I might just buy tickets just to go see her. That's about the only concert yeah. I can think of. I'm still trying yeah. to see Poppy with Gojira and Deftones. Please don't. <laughs> that's what oh, what's the here. fucking album that like, I've just been super digging. And I think Dave would probably know it just cause, what? uh, Dave is, uh, uh, really into music. What is it? Um, so I, I'm gonna say this probably very wrong. The Natalia La Forcade album that came out last yeah. year. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that, oh my that, God. Uh, that Musa stay. Uh, yeah, the the Mexican folk one. Absolutely. Yeah, her tiny desk is awesome. You yeah, a, a song a song for Mexico Volume One is the one that I'm yeah. That's yeah. an awesome album. Yeah. It's very oh my pretty. God! I like uh, great stuff. It's it's just jived with me so fucking much. Like I play, I play it all the time, and like I'm I'm at the point where I'm worried my girlfriend's gonna be annoyed of it, like because it's just it's just legit. And one of the one of the nicest moments was I listened to it for the first time uh, when I was at my parents' house for Christmas, um, and my mother actually found was able to buy on Amazon like uh, meze, like me, like uh, flour corn flour, uh, and we made homemade. Uh, tamales, which not, like both of us hadn't had in three masa? years because we've been in the fucking masa, masa, masa. Yeah, sorry. I was like, what the hell is meze? Meze, like yeah. a meze platter, like in a Mediterranean restaurant. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, no, masa. Grape leaves. Yeah. We, she was able to find masa, masa and we, we made like fucking homemade tamales like nice. for Christmas time. Cool. It was I and it was the first time that. I'd had it in like three or four years because obviously yeah. I've been over here and like literally like everyone I've met here is, doesn't even know what a tamale is. <laughs> of course not. It's a, just tell them it's like a weird corn burrito thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I brought some home for my girlfriend and like her roommate and stuff like that. Like, and I even like put a fucking fried egg on top and I was like, this is how you have it. It's fine. <laughs> a fried egg on top? I've never had it. Yeah, you've never had that? Oh man, like a fried egg that's like really soft fried. So it's like just really gooey. Yeah, I've had like, there's a restaurant. Yeah. I imagine it's not just them, but you get like a pupusa that way. Like a Robelta. <laughs> oh yeah. Where it's like yeah. a pupusa with sauce on it and then they put an egg on top. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes, yeah, I've had, I think I've had that before. In my yeah, defense, meze is corn, that. by the way. Uh, so I still have no idea, what the, what the fuck are you saying, meze? <laughs> Me- meze, it's corn, I swear to God it's corn. Hold on. Hey, Reese, I wanted to ask you this. Spell but, it. Uh, how do hold you on. say, hold on. Oh, never mind, never mind, just forget it. I've been listening to uh, Nilifer Yanya, do you know her? Mm-hmm. She's, uh, no, I don't. she's from the... She's from the UK. She's like hey, this. Hey, uh, guys, 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 guys. You gotta I go. Think we carry this conversation offline. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Uh... <laughs> that's in the episode. <laughs> I was like, there's no reason to digress into that. I don't know. <laughs> at this point, if anybody's listening, like, yeah, you've made this... three and a, three and a quarter hours of this shit. Yeah, you're probably. I'm fine like... to keep recording if people want to keep talking. All right. Well, I gotta, no. I gotta go though. Okay. Shut it off. Okay. Shut it off. I'm All gonna right. stop recording. Let's let's end. Okay. We'll we'll finish the episode here. Next episode, Silent Dogs. See you, bye. Yeah. <laughs> bye.